The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. All right, Panther fans, it's your boy, Tony Dunn. They call me the professor. It's Tuesday night. It's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com, where it seems like every week we just mourn another loss by the Carolina Panthers. We are 48 hours removed almost from uh, a devastating fourth loss. The nail in my coffin, it feels like. Carolina Panthers fall on the road to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's awful. We're going to talk about what this has done uh, to the direction of the team going forward after this season, how this is affecting potentially Ron Rivera. And there's been some changes among the coaching staff that have occurred since we had the postgame show on Sunday. We'll be discussing all those things. Uh, I'm going to do that tonight with my buddy, my pal, Cody Lashney. What's up, my friend? How you doing, Tony Dunn? I'll tell you what, no matter how the Panthers are doing, I and every one of us are doing way better than Kelvin Benjamin, that's for damn sure. And nothing to it but to do it. The YouTube chat is lit. I'm ready. Let's go, baby. All right. You can reach us uh, at Carolina Cat Chronicles, Carolina Cat Chronicles at gmail.com, at cat underscore chronicles. We encourage you to turn your phone to portrait mode if you're on YouTube and smash that thumbs up button. If you're watching on Facebook, hit that like button, share this video in a, a Panther group or, or with a Panther friend. We're going to grow this show despite the Panther, the Panthers collapse this year. Uh, so we will keep pounding. We know they will too. We're going to figure it all out here. Free therapy. So we encourage you to join us. We're going to have your calls tonight on the cat calls line. The number's 252-228-5098. And Joe Riolano will be joining us uh, shortly. So we're going to be good there, and we'll have the trio together, and we will work through this. All right, Cody, We last time we saw each other, the sky, the sky had fallen. The Carolina Panthers fall to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road. Cam Newton throws four picks. The defense uh, – up and down kind of day, but it was highlighted by the fact that Eric Washington was demoted in the game, it seems like. Not in name, Ron Rivera says, but instead, he Ron Rivera has taken over the play calling, and then reports continue to leak out, I guess. Not leak, but what we had was um, Mike Adams say that, hey, well, I thought Ron Rivera was involved the whole time. When we've been calling to is Ron Rivera to take a more active role on that defense and to help usher and coach uh, Eric Washington along has finally just officially occurred. Cody, the twenty now that we've had a little time to sit on this loss, how are you feeling at this point compared to Sunday? Well, you know, time heals all wounds, so I'm definitely feeling a little bit better. But 
Um, overall, my assessment of the football team kind of remains the same. Uh, you know, they they really they did an interview with Ryan Khalil, and I think that he kind of hit the nail on the head. There's not a lot of discipline on either side of the football. Uh, the offensive line play and the defensive line play ha- has not been well. And uh, going all the road to the Browns, I mean, I feel like I've said this numerous times this season, but you're going to find out truly once and for all what kind of team the Carolina Panthers are up in Cleveland. It's on the road. They have a losing record, uh, a freshman quarterback. Yeah, man, uh, it, it's if we're going to make any final push, even though a lot of us don't believe that we're capable of doing it, uh, it, it starts this Sunday. It starts now if we're going to do something. You know, there's not really, and I hate to be the Debbie Downer of the group, but do it. you don't want to wait until week, what is this, 14, 13, yeah. to figure out what kind of team you are in Cleveland. Out of all the things in the world, that's got to be one of the most disheartening statements that's ever made in the history of mankind, and that is that we're trying to figure out what type of team we are against the Cleveland Browns. So the right now, from what we found out, I had you pick it up uh, before the show. We are, you said minus a point and a half, so we're a point and a half favorites on the road. Yeah, we are a point and a half favorite on the road in Cleveland. You know, I'm I'm actually surprised it's not a pick'em at this point. I thought that the Panthers have just been so horrendous, and the Browns. I think probably because the Browns got shellacked by the Houston Texans last week is the only reason this isn't a pick'em. Joe Riolano in the house. Joey, we're 48 hours removed from the fourth loss, a uh, consecutive loss of the Carolina Panthers. Has anything changed in your perspective in that 48 hours? Um, I bet, I bet, um, I will have to say that I, I'm really concerned with, um, Cam, um, you know, prior to, or right after the game, um, I wasn't, I wasn't sure if he was a hundred percent or not, but since then I thought about it more and, um, I really don't believe, I really believe his shoulders bothering him more than, um, we were led to believe. Um, you know, Ron Rivera has, Ron Rivera has referred to it as the new normal, the new normal. Yeah, okay, new normal. Right, you know, I I was thinking about that tomorrow today, and I guess you do have to realize he's been in the league seven years, and, you know, maybe, maybe some of what we see as this lack of a deep fall is nothing more than him getting older. But that doesn't just... Do you really think that's the case, Joey, though? Because I don't think it's his age. I mean, look, he's 30 years old. He's had a rocket mm-hmm. for an arm his whole his whole life. Is that really <laughs> he underwent two seasons ago a major sh- shoulder surgery. We saw this mm-hmm. linger 
throughout the first five games of the year last year, we've seen Andrew Luck take two years off from football ultimately mm-hmm. for a more severe injury. But you know, this is a it's it's a a part of the body for a quarterback. You know, it's not like getting a knee injury for it, this is you're getting the joint that you use the most. And the more reps he takes, mm-hmm. the more fatigue he gets. And as the season goes on, it's like a, a pitcher maybe who's thrown a lot of innings uh, throughout the season. But for me, one of the things that uh, looks to is that you pointed this out, Joey, is that in that Pittsburgh game, he took a direct hit to that shoulder, a blast, a, a helmet that just crushed him at that moment. He's been, you know, so I think this is on the shoulder. He landed. Yeah. Yeah. So is that, I think that some of it could be continuing to get stronger from what was, it turned out to be a very difficult injury. I think that some of this is like you're saying, as you're getting older, these aches last a little longer, the fatigue hurt, you know, it takes a little bit longer to recover from that. But there is some things that we could say that you don't know. We don't really know how much has been aggravated throughout the season Mm -hmm. in in moments like that. So it could have been worsened as the time went on. So then that leads me to ask you this, Joey, is that do what do you think is that I saw Zach Luttrell talking a lot this week that it was insane to him that Carolina Panthers were ready. Fans were ready to shut down Cam Newton when there was still a statistical opportunity to get into the playoffs mm-hmm. do you think that that this should maybe be an option and is it at the very least and we'll wait until this week against the browns to see if it's completely because if we lose against the browns you gotta is that what what's the sense in playing him at all even if he was healthy right right um Speaking of Zach, um, I spoke with him earlier, and it seems he will be making an appearance next Tuesday on our show. Awesome. Yeah. um, Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm all for shelving Cam and let's do whatever it takes to get the shoulder right. Um, But if you're going to go one more week, because mathematically we do have a chance, um, I think we need help. I don't think it's anything we can do on our own, but we need help. But, um, yeah, play him one more week. Pray nothing happens, that he really gets hurt. And if the Browns beat us, um, then shove him if he needs surgery, do it, and start his rehab so that when next, uh, OTAs and spring training come around. He's 100% fully healed, no issues, and ready to go. Cody, one of the things is is that John from Mass in the chat says, we're not going to sit Cam unless we lose two or more, regardless of order somehow. We aren't far off from the wild card spot. We're going to focus our discussion on that, but I do want to give a shout-out to poor Michael Jones. He said, I've been spending at least five Gs a season the past two seasons, and I feel kind of duped. I've got row one seat Monday night versus the Saints and row one in New Orleans on December 31st. I'm feeling like, you know what? You can take one of my kids with you, and what you can get, hopefully, is a Cam Newton football. 
because that's the only thing that's going to ease the suffering of that 5Gs. But let's go back to Cam Newton, Cody. Like some people said, we're not far off. John Fermat says we're not far off from the playoffs. It feels to me like we're light years away from the playoffs at this point. Have I just been broken mentally, or is there really a problem to the point where we should even consider if this is a loss in Cleveland sitting Cam Newton? I mean, yeah, it, it all depends on the wild card race. I mean, honestly, I think Cam Newton will kind of be his own worst enemy. The man's a competitor, and he's not going to want to sit down and let the backup come in and finish out the season. I mean, he wants to be there and play for his guys. He is a captain. He's a leader like that. Uh, and realistically, I, I mean, even now, it, we're in the wild card hunt. I know that we all don't feel very good about our chances going forward, but at 6-6, six and six, with two other teams at 6-6 six and six right now, the Vikings are on the skid of their own. It's almost irresponsible to pull Cam Newton out at this point um, if you want to try and have any chance of salvaging your season. But um, I, I found a clip before the show, and I want to play it now because we've been talking about Cam Newton and his arm strength, and I hope this shows up um, well enough on the on the YouTube video. But th- this is early on in the ball game, and Cam Newton throws a 20-yard dime that if it was, you know, 90% of the other quarterbacks in the NFL, I mean, that's a pick six to the end zone right there. And, uh, you know, not very many quarterbacks are able to fit it into that kind of window that Cam Newton is still able to do it. And, Tony, I think that you hit the nail on the head. It feels as though, you know, he's on a pitch count right now. He's not able to have that type of horsepower and velocity for the entire four quarters. But, man, there are still parts during the football game where he will put the ball with some, with some real velocity on the throw. So, you know, I, I really don't know um, the true nature of his shoulder right now. And knowing Juan Rivera, I mean, we, we might never know. There's something really to it, though, because while you show that video, there are a couple of throws in that game where he hung them out there like a normal quarterback would. Right. Yeah. And that is in that. So you could see it's almost like shoulder fatigue strikes. Uh, and, and to, to be fair here, he did throw 41 passes in this game. Right. He was under duress a lot. Now let's turn to this though, is because Cam Newton had a terrible game. Like he threw four picks. Uh, he, he had trouble feeling pressure coming. I think sometimes there was one time he got hit from the backside. I don't, I mean, like, how do you feel something that is directly behind you? That's kind of crazy. You know, is that I, I don't think it was necessarily like his internal clock was off. But this loss, again, is uh, was a traumatic loss. And before the before the game, reports come out from Jason Lockenfora that Cam that David Tepper is becoming antsy with this three game slide. And that he is reaching out along um, to some of his kind of uh, some other is his companions, his uh, colleagues in the NFL to discuss, you know, the proper course of action potentially with the firing of Ron Rivera as we lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this fashion. You know, Ron Rivera comes out there 
and he's asked a ton of questions about this. And let's cue up that first clip, Cody. Ron Rivera asking questions about the security or being asked about the security of his job going forward in his discussions with David Tepper. Good morning, Ron. How would you characterize your conversations with David Tepper since the loss? Um, I would just say they've been very good. Um, I would Has he given you any uh, insight as to the direction of this team, where he wants you to take it, what he wants you to be doing? Mr. Tepper and I talk about a lot of things involving our football team, and most certainly one of them is about the game that we just played. We haven't had an opportunity to talk about anything else other than that. But you've, you've never made a high-profile firing like this midseason. Did David Tepper influence that decision? No, Mr. Tepper didn't influence the decision. It's a collaborative effort between Marty Herney, myself, and Mr. Tepper. Um, I most certainly keep them in, informed as to the decisions that I make going forward for this football team. Um, the biggest thing is that, is, is, is that everything that I do for this football team is what I believe is in the best interest of this team. Uh, I believe that we do things to try and win. And at the end of the day, that's all I did was just try to put us, uh, I think, what I think was best for us. All right, so there's Ron Rivera there talking about, you know, some of the pressure that has been put on him as this skid continues. Now, Cody, after the game, the next morning, news breaks early in the morning that he has fired two assistant co defensive coaches and Brady Hoke and other one was like uh, Nakamura. Who was that guy that used to play safety for us that was awful? <laughs> yeah, it was Nakamura. <laughs> right, is that yeah, might as well be like, the same guy? Yeah, Jeff yeah, Jeff Imamura and Brady Hoke have officially gotten the axe here in Carolina. Uh, great title for the show tonight, Tony. Um, yeah, and you know, I, I mean, really, Tony, I think you should just kind of bring up what um, you said you had a buddy that, that brought up a point to you. And uh, the more I think about it, the more I feel that it's relevant. Because honestly, I, you know, and we've talked about this before, our defensive line seems so old right now. I mean, I don't know of of a, a, a defensive line coach that would come in and be able to make this better right now. I mean, our, our personnel just isn't as dominant as it could be. So It's not dominant yeah, at all. That's big. Yeah. All right, so here's the deal is that with these firings, what I think is strange is just before we get into because I do have some in interesting points to bring up about the defensive line, like Cody said. With these firings, it seems like a sort of, in the terms that uh, Kyle, Kyle something, I want to say Kyle Bailey uh, from WFNZ described as the sacrificial lambs and Brady Hoke and this Ikamore, whoever the other guy is that we don't know. And the demotion of of Washington to not in name, not in title, but in responsibilities as Ron Rivera takes over on the defensive end is that to me, this seems like, like somebody said earlier, uh, this is just him trying to, uh, it was Trill One said he did that to save his own ass. And I don't even know, to me, it's a kind of a bizarre move. Like it seems like such a, just like I have to do something so you guys are going to be the the scapegoats. Now, they could not have been doing their jobs as well as he wanted. But again, these problems have been there for a long time. And I wish that, if anything, this should have been done two weeks ago, three weeks ago, if this truly was yeah. the issue. 
Yeah. Now you go again. I think it was Jeremy Clancy who said in the chat room. I think this is a great, a great comment. Is that look? Is he's just swaying back and forth? Ron Rivera is like he's looked defeated in these press conferences. You see him after the games on the Monday one, on the Wednesday one. He comes in there and he like looks like Cam Newton before the game where he like says a prayer. He's like, <sighs> and then he's got very defensive posture, arms crossed a lot of times, very fidgety, and not the type of Ron Rivera we're used to seeing in in these moments. So I do believe there is something real to him feeling the pressure and feeling the screws being put to him. And I don't even think David Tepper has to say it. In fact, I don't think the Jason Lockenfora article said much more than what we have said on this podcast for the last three weeks. And that is, is that at some point the slide can't, if it continues that David Tepper could shop making a new, just turning the page and trying to find a new start in the future. So that's all that really that the article was was saying in many ways, but it did say like, hey, we've got some sources that have at least said he's like, well, if I do do this, what comes next? Now, Brady Hoke was the sacrificial lamb on a defensive line that's been terrible. And Joey was talking with a guy at work today, and I feel like he put together something for me that I have been failing to articulate, but wanted to articulate a lot throughout the season. And that is that, look, Dontari Poe has been, uh, by a lot of means, uh, by everyone's standards, underwhelming as an acquisition, where we see a down, a step down from where we were when we had Star. And I was, I've, I've been buying into this and saying, look, I can't defend any of it anymore. And he said this, he said, look, if you throw Poe, Poe becomes a scapegoat. And he becomes a scapegoat along with defensive tackle play because the defensive tackle play, while it may not be great or even even like just better than good at this point, is really ultimately affected by the fact that we have two defensive line ends, two defensive ends that scare no one. Julius mm-hmm. Peppers, old as can be, as well as Mario Addison, who is 30 now or 31 and the first time ever we've asked him to be a full-time three-down defensive end. And what he was saying is this, is that he said, look, that the reason that the defensive tackle play looks so horrendous is because they get no help mentally from the defensive ends. And I was thinking about, and when I say mentally, is that the offensive line trying to account for those defensive ends And I was thinking about this, Joey. Have you ever seen another team chip one of our defensive ends? I I have left him speechless. (laughs) Are you talking to me? I'm sorry. I lost part of your conversation. Okay. Cody, I'll go to you on this. Have you yeah. seen anybody try to account for our defensive ends at all this year other than just trying to man them up? I mean, no. Uh, you know, Mario Addison, it seems like every time we play the Buccaneers, he has a good game. Um, but other than that, uh, it really does feel uh, like these edge rushers that we have on the team right now, they're not dominating at the line. And it's important to remember that Mario Addison is a speed rusher. 
he's not necessarily a, you know a, a very built type of guy. Uh, you know he's he's good against the run, but he's you know made to bend around bend around the edge, and when he's not doing that, he's a liability. And then you have listen a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer in Julius Peppers. The dude's a badass, all right, and that that's never going to change. But father time comes for everyone, and he's just not the dominant Julius Peppers uh, that we're used to having on on the team. He's not who he was even last year. So yeah, I mean, it's a very um, it's a, it's a very studious observation, and I do agree with that because I always have thought that K1 Short is one of the better three technique defensive tackles in the NFL. And for him to just have such a down season, I feel like right now he's the only star um, on our defensive line that's having to do so much that he just ends up getting drowned out. So it is, I mean, our, our defensive tackles are kind of null and void. And because of that, our linebackers have been more null and void also. I think part no of one... our... Go ahead, Jeff. Part of our problem is with Peppers, um, he was very effective last year because he played very numerous and uh, in doing that, he was moved learned over time um, because the, the tackles didn't have to see him on every down. Where well, now he's playing every down, and he get away with All right, Joe, you're break. Hey, Joe, you're breaking up a lot. Can you uh, drop out and come back in? Refresh your browser. I do think this okay. is the point here: is that a lot of people have said that is look is pose not doing his job he's been underwhelmed and i agree we're not trying to defend pose play as being good and like he's been good and that everybody acts like he's not what i'm just what i think that my my buddy stewart was saying is this is that when you have zero threat from the edge it allows those guys on the interior to concentrate more on that push up the middle. So then what you're doing is this, is you're putting a guard, a center, and a guard on two players. And and then you're saying to the defensive end, to the offensive tackles, handle these ends. And what I could say is this, is that we can continue to say that, that Don Terry Poe has been a bust, and I'm not going to say he's been good. But what you saw is this, is that they scratch Vernon Butler was a healthy scratch at this point in uh, in this game, which is such a sad thought, thinking that just two years ago he was a first-round draft pick, but it does happen. There is some validity to this is because Don Terry Poe is not been and – the, and these defensive tackles should be the icing on the cake, not the thrust entirely of the defensive pass rush. And there's some questions here, Cody, if Brady Hoke knew how to coach – the 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 professional player somebody said that poe was lazy and that is potentially true so i'm not trying to defend his play but what we can say cody is that 
there is zero um, belief that our ends scare anyone in the league. I mean, I don't know. I think that they did, and I just think that they've watched enough film that they know how to game plan against us. Um, I don't think – listen, Mario Addison has been a great defensive end for us, but I don't think that um, he's ever been someone that teams have had to game plan around. Um, he has been productive for us, and he has played a role, but it's just it hasn't been um, – I mean, he's not what Greg Hardy was when Greg Hardy was a Carolina Panther. Um, but it's hard to say that there have been many who have been. And then, like I said, Julius Peppers, you know, uh, the man can only do so much. And for someone that is that age, I mean, he hasn't been terrible, but he's not someone that you have to ever game plan for. So, yeah, I mean, I think all of us kind of know what's up. It's time to bolster the defensive end in the draft or in free agency. And it needs to happen Frankly, that's why I think there's so many doubts about this team right now. There's no edge pressure when you're basically having to rely on K1 Short to do everything on the inside. And, you know, he's, he's not going to have a chance to be successful. And, uh, yeah, I think we're going to be looking for potentially two or three more defensive linemen coming up here soon. We're going to have the cat calls coming up, guys. The number is 252-228-5098, where you can have your voice heard on the C3 Panthers podcast. You can also join uh, the show and the discussion in the most interactive way by engaging on the uh, through the Shindig app, as well as you can link, you can use your Chrome browser. The link information is in the show notes. If you want to jump in the live conversation, we can bring you into that shindig. We're about to bring another guest in or another fan of the Carolina Panthers, and that is Michael Hart, who is in the shindig, hanging out with us. And I think that it's time because we're going to be going to the cat calls, and I know this is going to be zeroed in on this. But while we're talking about these issues personnel-wise, the real critical question to move forward is, is Ron Rivera, and I think this, is I think the angst has turned on Ron Rivera too much, and not that he should preserve his job, but I think we should start the conversation of, should is it time to replace Marty Herney and then replace Ron Rivera in subs, subsequently because of that? So what that's what we're going to need to ask real quick. Bring in, go ahead and bring in Michael We'll ask, I'm going to start this. Joey, is your microphone back? And if it is, tell me, is this the end of the Rivera era? Uh, that's I'm, Michael. Let me, oh, no, that is Joe. My bad. Go ahead. That's Joey. That's Joey. Joe, go ahead. I, I think we're, we're there. I really think um, as, as a coach, uh, Rivera can't get us over the hump. It's um, – I think he just plateaued, and he's, he's had his time here. And look, Rivera's done some really great things for us. This has not been a failure as a coach. He's been a tremendous success here. He's done some great things for the organization, but I think his time has just come. Uh, we need some fresh blood. 
This is a crazy, crazy statistic, Joey, is that going into the year, Ron Rivera, well, actually, four weeks ago, Ron Rivera was four wins away from being the winningest coach in franchise history. That means in week eight, we were six and two. He had to win four more games before the season's end to take that mantle that to claim that award, the bizarre and wild thing about it is, is four games to win when you're eight games deep, you're six and two, and Ron Rivera may not be ever become, have a chance to become the winningest coach in Panthers history, have to win out at this point, which doesn't seem the case, and there's a good chance, there is a potential chance he's fired. Imagine that. How close. What a fall from grace. Two-time, I think he was almost two-time coach. He was coach of the year once, and now the Panthers are on such a skid that really, you know, heads have to roll. Well, I don't know. Cody, is Michael coming in? I'll bring him in right now. We're going to ask Michael, who's joining us through the Shindig app, I believe, or he may be through the Chrome browser. Michael Hart, you're now on the C3 Panthers podcast. I'm going to turn this question to you. Is the Ron Rivera era over? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. I, uh, I I really don't know how I feel about that. I, I'm personally not ready to give up on this season or give up on Rivera his, himself. I I want to like him. I want him to be our coach, but uh, I am thinking ahead. And if we finish this season six and 10 or seven and nine, what do we do after that? And I, I think it's a, it's a tricky spot to fill because any other time we've gone through a coaching change, it's been going into what's obviously a rebuilding year. Uh, we were one and 15 when we lost, Seaford and and John Fox limped out of here with Jimmy Clausen and it you know we were we knew what we were getting into after that and it was a fresh start and this time it's it's not a fresh start we, we have our we have our superstars here and we need someone who can plug in and and go we don't have any time to waste with with Cam Newton's career and it in a sense it kind of does feel like a rebuilding year because we're going to lose some veterans next year and and I hate to see that but we need to be really careful how we we handle this coaching situation and we can't just pick anybody up and hope that they're going to get it done five years from now. We need, we need it to be done right now. And I'm, it, it worries me because I, I really, I, I don't want to think about this window closing with Cam Newton, this once in a generation quarterback we have, but we, we need to do this right if we're going to make a coaching change. So uh, I'm kind of curious what your opinions would be for potential replacements. Um, there's a lot of names that have come up recently. Uh, Urban Meyer today, even even though it sounds like he's retiring, but Mike McCarthy's going to need a home too. So it's it does feel a little better knowing that there are big name coaches out there. But uh, again, we're we're not rebuilding. We need to plug someone into this Cam Newton offense and make him work right away. You know. So uh, anyway, I'm just curious what your guys is on that. Yeah, Cody, yeah. I'm going to ask you this. Cody, look, as let's turn this question to you over here. Is that would you be satisfied with ditching Rivera for McCarthy? 
Or do you find, first of all, I have any trouble like being a fan of anybody named McCarthy because all I can think of is the Red Scare, Joe McCarthy. Like, <laughs> I can't get the name out of my head. But my my question is that is that is that enough of a vertical move for you in in thinking that you're going to go because that is the question here is that even if Ron Rivera is not the answer to what we're trying to do and ultimately trying to complete here is is there another guy that can do it so are those names like McCarthy and Harbaugh powerful enough of a change for you Cody well, you know, one of the things I'm a firm believer in is that, you know, the, the quarterback, if you have a good quarterback, he can take you as far as you want to go. But the offensive coordinator and the head coach, the one calling plays, are the ones that are the most important. Now, McCarthy is an offensive-minded head coach, and he was calling the plays up in Green Bay. And while I do think that would be a step up uh, here in Carolina – I don't necessarily know that Mike McCarthy is necessarily the answer to what we want to do here. Um, I, I've seen some things um, with the Packers, and I, he'll call plays that have me saying, wait, what? You did what on fourth and and two or third and six? Um, I, so I'm not the, uh, the biggest McCarthy fan myself, um, but I, I would have to say at this point in time, him having won a Super Bowl, I do think that it wouldn't be a bad hire here in Carolina. Um, I, I, I just want a, an offensive-minded head coach that can have a, a new taste on, you know, how to get the most out of this offense and and even Cam Newton himself. Joey, there's names in the chat room like Dabo Sweeney and Josh McDaniels. Where are you at on this? Is this one of those moments where you move on from Ron Rivera and you replace him with a name that we're familiar with and we've heard in the NFL? Or uh, what do you do at this point? Is maybe that the thing that scares you away from firing Ron Rivera? Is is there enough? Are there enough guys out there that could do it better? Well, um, I think we have to look at this even a little bit deeper than, than where, we're, where we are right now. Um, if we fire Rivera, does the whole staff go? If the whole yeah, staff it's goes, got to. It's okay, got to. If, if the whole staff goes, does the GM go? Got to. Okay. So don't we want to bring in a GM first? to help with the coaching search? This is exactly where I'm at, Joey, is I believe, and Michael, I believe the real answer to the question is this, is I don't really care who the coach is at this point. And I know that that's that's not exciting for a lot of people because you want to say, hey, look, you can bring in Dabo Swing. I don't trust Josh McDaniels for this reason, is that he's got the grimy stink on him for what he did to Mm -hmm. Indianapolis. So, like, I don't even want to be around you that mug. But I think Joey's absolutely right, and this is what I was saying in the postgame show, and I truly believe this is the case, is that, look, we have two options. We stand pat, and we say Ron Rivera has put together some defenses that have been – look, because Ron Rivera has not been a bad coach, Right. What he is, is he has been a average, better than average coach. He has also had Cam Newton. 
But at the same time is that North Turner has really demonstrated the ability to put together an offense that is more exciting than we have ever seen before in Carolina, arguably. So it's kind of like Ron Rivera and North Turner or the other. And what I just believe is this, is that if there is an, a change that's made, it needs to be a deliberate change. It needs to be a plan change. It may not work out, but if you replace a GM first who has a vision of what he wants to accomplish, a guy he believes he can do it, at least you're committing to the bet. Unlike in the past, if you think of what has happened with Ron Rivera, if you think about it is Ron Rivera is hired by Mar Marty Herney. We fire Marty Herney. We go and get another GM. Ron Rivera has a 12 and four year in 2013 or 2012, I believe 2013. And he's like, well, I can't fire him because we had a 12 and four year. So it was this match that had to work between Gettleman and Rivera. And I don't know if there ever was a singular vision. So for me is I want a GM who has a vision, whether it's the right vision or the wrong vision, I can't say, but have a vision and commit to it because to me, and I'm going to turn this over to Cody. The thing that I'm going to ask you, Cody, is this where I have found the dis the real uh, disconnect in this organization under Ron Rivera is that none of our picks have worked out in the draft really. And I'm starting to wonder while I know the GM is a, is the main guy who does this is Ron Rivera obviously has not either been a strong enough voice in that case or an eye enough for talent. So to me, there's just not, it's not a symphony. They're not working in concert together. Yeah. And you know, really it's to be fair, it's hard to work in symphony when you have the, the type of leads that David Gettleman did. I mean, it was all very impromptu. I mean, I don't think any of us realistically thought David Gettleman was going to be let go in the way that he was. And then all of a sudden you just get the news alert the next morning and, and there it is. Um, that said, Marty Herney was the one that uh, brought in Ron Rivera. So, I mean, I, this is what, what I feel. I feel as talent-wise, they're on the same page. But in my mind, that's the problem. Because what I think we've kind of uncovered is that Ron Rivera is not a good talent evaluator. The types not of as players well that, as we that, thought. That's right. No, not at I all. So, so if Ron Rivera is given the marginal orders – to Marty Herney saying, I want this type of player for this type of situation. That puts the blinders onto Herney saying, all right, I'm going to go out and get this type of player for Ron Rivera. And I, I feel that has caused us to miss on a number of really talented players in the draft. And you're seeing that now uh, with Vernon Butler not panning out. Um, Don Tari Poe is, and, I mean, as we mentioned, it might, you know, he might, uh, have a harder job than we've all been giving him some credit for. Uh, but even the, the defensive end position, uh, I mean, we need younger defensive ends. And the guys that we've drafted from Deshaun Hall to Marcus Haynes, I mean, where are they right now? Because And so what was the other one here. that almost – hold on, is who was the guy that was almost the damn Super Bowl? Coney Ely, Super Coney Bowl MVP. Ely. 
All right, let's way, bring back on a roster right now either. So all right. Let's bring back Michael Hart. If you uh want to come back in here and unmute your mic, Mike. Unmute your mic, Mike. All right, Mike, where is you? So now that you've heard us kind of say this, is that it, it really seems to be a wholesale change or no change at all. Are you can uh how where do you think that the Panthers go on from this season? My first question to you is this is that are you at the point where this season and without risk to your fandom, you we're not going to revoke your fan card. Is that is this season not what we thought it was going to be and out and in the rear view? And are you are you personally moving on and hoping that you see a new Panthers team next year with new leadership? Uh it's hard for me to think about that, but I'm picturing myself in September next year. And again, if we finish the season seven, nine, miss the playoffs, how am I going to feel if I see Ron Rivera there? And the, I, the answer to myself is I I think I'd feel better if it was someone else like Norv Turner or, or whoever. And again, I I don't want to think that I I think it, maybe it's because I get emotionally attached to players and coaches and I hate to see him go but if his time here is done then you know I, I I get it and and I'm not ready to make that decision yet because we still have we still have four games left you know the season's not over and we're not eliminated so we may be jumping the gun talking about this in the first place because we're a 500 team you know we're, and we're in a playoff hunt but it doesn't feel like it does it and feel I, oh yeah that's exactly what i was gonna ask you does it feel like we're a 500 team it, it and does it feel it, like we're a playoff team it this feels like like 2001 or 2010 all over again and i, I can't even believe i'm saying that because we're six and six and we have a shot at the playoffs just five years ago we made the playoffs with a losing record which obviously it's a different nfc south this year but it's. I don't like giving up on this team, and I don't like giving up on the coaches. But if this doesn't, if we don't finish, you know, I'd say at least five hundred. Let's throw that out there. I would be okay with seeing a different coach there because I know that this team is capable of far better than that. In the past, when we lose coaches, who do we have before? Jimmy Clausen and Rodney Pete, and you know, you kind of expected to have a terrible season there's no excuse for for us losing these four straight games after starting six and two. To me, this feels like Oh eight. I think it was Oh eight where we heard uh, where, where, uh, yeah, I think it was when Delome had, when we had, I felt like we made the playoffs, but we weren't really that good. Oh, the, the Arizona playoff game. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, is that there is the team, there are some ta- there are some things there, but it's not rounded enough to really make a long like a real pitch. And what I really feel like is this is that like we've got some bright spots on this team, but there's some deficiencies here that have not been overcome either on player personnel wise or uh, when it comes to look is that the coaching staff is not able to adjust in a way that can compensate for that. And we see this on the defensive side of the ball primarily. So for me is that like, I'm just so like, I want to have hope, but I don't think that we could really beat a really good team right now. 
because we've seen really good Panther teams lose in the playoffs before. Look, in 2015, we're a far better team than we are now at this point. I think this, and Cody, let me ask you this. There's got to be something to there's got to be something to the way you win and lose. Right? And yeah. maybe not the way you win, but the way you lose. And for me, the point that I'm going to make is this is that if you started out two and uh what we start out 6 and 2, say you started out 2 and 6 and you finished 10 and 6. You would be like this team really got it together. Yeah, but if you no fin- doubt. but but if you started the season six and two, and then finished six and ten, there is something. That's the same. That's the opposite. That's the mirror version of that. We are trending down, not trending up. We're getting weaker each week, and we can't even get a win. That's where I'm upset with the holding on to playoff talk. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, as cliche as it sounds, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And teams get hot at the right time. And, you know, I feel every year there's an example of a team that starts just blazing and on fire, and then they just fall off a cliff. 2015, it was the Falcons. 2016, it was Minnesota. 2017, Kansas City, and hell, 2018 might be us. You know, uh, it, it's one of those scenarios where, uh, you know, you have to play your best football in the months of, you know, between November to January if you want to be a, a Super Bowl contending football team. And right now we're just not doing the things at the right time in the season. And we're, we're more injured than we have been before, uh, you know, People, people are, are really forgetting when we talk about the offensive line is that this is a makeshift offensive line. And we don't have, you know, guys that are on the bench that are waiting to come back. No one's excited about the potential turn of Matt Khalil. You know, no one wants no, that. No, he's not even but, welcomed in the building, dude. No, and then Cam Newton is hurt. Dante Jackson had some injuries. It's just... Yeah, injuries and the the lack of discipline that we're playing with right now. We're cooling off right when championship football teams are turning on the hitters and the afterburners, and we're just just not doing that. I agree 100% is right now we're a team that no one fears. That Mm -hmm. is the case. No one fears us. Joey, there is a sense to me that, for me, is the 6-2 and start is is means nothing right now at this point if you finish this season eight and eight after and that would be that would mean this is to finish eight and eight we have to beat cleveland on the road and we have to take down either the falcons at home or the saints at, at home on monday night really that's hard to believe we could do either. If anything, we're saying we can defeat the Falcons, right? And the so if we finish this season eight and eight, Joey, this is a fall that is uh, unprecedented. And well, I would say unprecedented. I mean, obviously in the NFL you get that, but that is nothing to be excited about, nor oh, to no. even build if up. Finish, if we finish eight and eight. We've had a bad year. 
it's a bad year because starting six and two, you should be able to make the playoffs. You should be able to get, you should be able to get ten wins. At six and two, you should be able to win um, four more games on your schedule. I mean, that's not. I, that's, if you consider a good team, that's reasonable. But this is not a good team. You know it. This is a talented yeah. team. Yes, there is talent, but we're not good. Partial and, talent. Partial talent. Right. There's some talent on this team. Yes. What um, we're seeing we're is this. Joey, a lot of people said this, is that uh, the offensive line played well, better than expected at the beginning, but it's starting to become what it is. You know what I'm saying? You're starting to see the true offensive line, and I don't even think it's been atrocious at this point like it has been Mm -hmm. in the past, but it's not a strength anymore. It's declining this. Then on top of that, as you see the defensive line be a weakness, this defense has not answered the call this year. And so while there are some high-profile things to be excited about, a DJ Moore, a Curtis Samuel, they're not enough to compensate for the rest of the team not being as strong as we want it to be. Left, you guys. All right. What we're going to do now is this is uh we're gonna we got a lot still to talk about there are 16 cat calls i think we're gonna go ahead and jump into the cat calls we're gonna continue to let you steer the conversation the number is 252-228-5098 i'm gonna thank michael hart for joining us through shindig man it's fantastic to get you guys jumping in the conversation live but look even if you can't join through the app shindig or uh using your chrome browser with that link that can be found in the show notes, you can be a part of the C3 Panthers podcast, and it doesn't even have to be when we're live. You can call the Cat Calls line. The number is 252-228-5098. Let your voice be heard among Panther Nation. This is the best part of the show where you guys steer the conversation. And right before we play those calls, I'm going to ask you this. Turn your phone to portrait mode. Smash that thumbs up button. Every week we get 50, 60 people watching the show, and we need more thumbs up because that helps us rise the ranks on YouTube. If you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, we appreciate you. Go ahead and make sure that you share the show with a friend at a stoplight or when you park your car. Email it to a buddy. Send a link to them and subscribe, rate, and review us. We can. What we're trying to do is grow this show each and every week, one fan at a time. Think of it as this. We're just in the car, riding to the game, cutting up. And when we're sad, it's us riding home from a loss, cutting up. And here's your cat calls to let us know what you're thinking in Panther Nation. So what are your thoughts on cat calling? Yeah, it's pretty You shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, Very uncomfortable. So how do you think cat calling makes the person feel? It feels good like What's up, fellas? Ben from Harrisburg. Listening to y'all for a couple seasons now, and I just want to say, y'all do a great job. Keep it up. Love listening every week. 
Um, I just want to address something that I've been hearing a lot lately, and it just drives me insane. Um, so Cam Newton, he, uh, I just don't understand the hate that people give for Cam Newton, especially coming from Panthers fans. Yeah. I mean, it just blows my mind. He is literally the best thing that we've ever gotten in this organization by a long shot, a long <laughs> shot. I mean, Cam Newton, like imagine where we would be without him. Who's our best quarterback that we had before Cam Newton? We had Jake DeLone, Jake stinking DeLone. I mean, come on. He's literally the best thing that's ever happened to us. We would be a bunch of nobodies without him. Without a doubt in my mind. People who claim to be Panthers fans and they still doubt Cam Newton just drive me nuts. Like I remember back in 2016, when after Cam Newton's MVP year and we were having a bad season, everybody was saying, bench Cam, put in Derek Anderson. Bench Cam, put in Derek Anderson. I mean, it just blows my mind what people will say about him. I mean, yes, he had four interceptions. The offensive line literally let him get hit on two of them. Cam had a bad day. I mean, it happens, all of us. You ever gotten up, go to work, had a bad day? I mean, come on, guys. Let me know what you think. Thanks. Wow, man, man. <clears throat> Pulling it out there. All right. Cam Newton continues to be a polarizing figure, not only among the national media, but also among Carolina Panthers fans. When he has a good game, people modestly celebrate him. And when he has a bad game, they tell him he is trash and it's time to move on. But there is a small contingent of people who Cam Newton can do no wrong. And there's a couple of guys on this podcast that that is the case. I'm going to turn this over to Joey to start is that Cam Newton been tremendous for this organization. Fantastic. in this one bad game this season this week. And look, he had a bad game. Let's be honest. He had a bad game. First one, though, I believe, of the season. Cam Newton's been great for this organization, Joey. But when you are as clearly head and shoulders above the competition, a new set of expectation comes about. And I believe this is that people going to hate no matter what. They don't like Cam Newton, whether it's because he's black, whether it's because he's flashy, whether it's because he's a millennial, whatever it may be. But at the same time is that there is a higher set of expectations for Cam Newton, and it's time for him. I believe this is that we started to see some signs of this. But, Joey, you know that you want him to take the next step. Oh, of course, absolutely. But, look, when we were – when we had six wins and two losses, nobody was complaining about Cam. Everybody was happy. We were, you know – we're winning. Winning cured everything. Now we we lose three games in a row. We're coming into this game expecting um, to win, and Cam goes out and lays an egg. First game of the year where he really crapped the bed, and now everybody hates him again. And and you know it's it's disgusting. It really is because. A lot of these people are Panther fans, and those are the ones that are fair-weather fans. When we're winning, everything's fine. When we're losing, it's Cam's fault. And, and, and you know, this time, you know, there's something to it. He did throw four picks. Um, but, yeah, it, it, winning cures everything. And I really Cody, believe- 
Uh, yeah, Cody, you you are a professed Cam Newton defender. I say that I sharpen my Twitter sword to go to war for Cam Newton. And you know what? Is I'm going to continue to say this is that like the only reason that you get any reason to criticize Cam Newton this season is just because he threw four picks in this game. Other than that, Cam Newton has been nothing but a uh, positive for this team this year. And I would go on to argue, Cody, that Cam Newton is the only reason that Cam, that Ron Rivera is relevant as a head coach. And the only reason, and the primary, not the only reason, the primary reason that the Carolina Panthers have been relevant, given that the fact that since Jordan Gross has left, this offensive line has been atrocious and there's been zero talent around him. There's a reason you get to do that because of how good Cam Newton is. So what do you got to say to this? Is that how the hell do people turn their back on Cam Newton in one game for interceptions? Is it a bad game? Yes. But do you think that Cam Newton is the problem? No, not at all. And when you say that a quarterback has a bad football game, there's a lot of other things that go along with that. Well, why did he have a bad football game? Did his offensive line block for him? Did his receivers run the proper routes? Uh, And was he accurate throwing the passes? There's a lot more that goes into it. But what you will notice is that when Cam Newton has a bad day, he is forced to do so much. And listen, guys, all you have to do is watch the film, watch the replay of the football game. When your offensive line is in your lap every time you drop back and you're having to force the ball into tighter windows, when you're having to do all these things, it's hard to have a good day. And one of the things that you hit, Tony, uh, yeah, uh, Cam Newton has made Ron Rivera look far more competent than I feel he is as a head coach. How about Mike Shula, who still has a job in New York? Okay, that's 100% Cam Newton making magic with uh, slow wide receivers that haven't been able to separate for the majority of his time here in Carolina and a run game that mainly consists of him. So, yeah, I, I'll yeah, never understand. That until this season, Cody, it has been Cam Newton. Until 100%. this season, the run game has been led by Cam Newton. It's something that you don't say that has happened only because we've given the ball to Cam is that it was by necessity as well. And another thing that isn't mentioned enough, he never misses time. He's always out on the field. He's never missing football. Cam Newton is everything to this organization. And then that's why uh, the the call last Sunday from Coltrane, man, that might be my favorite call of all time, man. All these fans that jump ship as soon as Cam Newton has a bad day. Yeah, it's ridiculous, man. Even that loss, yeah, Cam had a bad day, but that wasn't a loss because of Cam Newton. I mean, it's a team sport. If your team isn't playing um, complimentary football on all levels, then everyone's going to have a bad day. We're better all day, every day with Cam Newton. I promise you that, folks. Is that here's the thing is that you give me, you you put me on the playground, and we got to play in the playground being Bank of America Stadium, and we pick teams and we got to pick everybody. It's really hard for me to pick anybody over Cam Newton, to be honest. I'm talking the best of the best because this is that you could say, yes, those guys can do amazing things. The Tom Brady's, the Drew Brees, 
But what that discounts is the amazing things that you take for granted that Cam Newton does each and every day that half the that 90% of the world could not do and put in that situation. So let me just say this is that when Cam looks bad, it's worse than it really is. That's what it is. Is that you yeah. think it's bad when Cam looks bad? Is that you put any other halfway mediocre or better than average quarterback back there in that? And it's worse. It is absolutely worse. So mm-hmm. you think that the offensive line looks bad this year or has looked bad in the past? And it has looked atrocious in the past. And the fact that my man is still alive and walking shows, tells you something about his greatness. I do think this is that I want this, and I think I've seen signs of it, guys, this year. Cam Newton's taking a step forward as a quarterback. If we can get this shoulder yeah. right, like Joey's saying, if we can get him back to peak performance and health-wise, we've seen him change mentally. We've seen him mature at the podium. We've seen him get better on the field with decision-making. And uh, that is what I want to see is this, is that it's not a referendum on what Cam has done in the past, but that is the people that want to snipe at Cam Newton. What they will always say is he just hasn't been what he could have been. I want to see him continue to step towards that. And I just got to wonder, is that is this the point in the career that he can just completely do it because of his physicality? I don't think that's the case. I think it's time to surround him with great minds, great talent, and put him in a position to be great. All right, the number is 252-228-5098. Let's go to the next call. Sorry for calling again, guys, but listening to uh, the post-game show just really rubbed me the wrong way. It, uh, I mean, I, I just – I still – people who, like, talk crap about him, like, Panther Nation, if you're a fan of the Panthers and you hate Cam Newton, that tells me two things. One, either you're an old racist white guy, or two, you literally <laughs> don't know anything about football and specifically the NFL. Like your knowledge base is zero. I mean, yes, who would I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue with this. Without this man, I mean, like you guys literally have no appreciation for him whatsoever. Not you guys on the podcast, but just some of the listeners. Like it just blows my mind. You think franchise QBs just grow on trees, and we're just gonna go out and draft somebody, and then all of a sudden it's gonna be great. Like you guys remember. Who they were saying we should draft Cam Newton over, or I think they wanted us. It was Blaine Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert. Yep. How did that work out? You know, like how, how many got like would you rather have Winston or Mariota? He's not even in the league, probably. I mean, get real. Like it's not going to get any better than it already has. Like you just you, your your football knowledge is just completely limited. If you, in the slightest way, think that Cam Newton is what is wrong with this organization, and I would encourage you to go find some other team to watch. Here, here's this is where you have are completely right. Is this is that whenever Cam Newton is on the field, it doesn't matter who is on the field with him, the Panthers are relevant. They've been relevant since Cam Newton came to Carolina. And that's not because there has been an excess of talent around him. That's because that's what Cam Newton does to to for anybody. And this is what I tell my students, guys, when I talk history, is that the reason that we're able to be critical of our own government or our own society is a signal of the strength of our society at a at the same time. Is that if it was as if it was the worst possible case scenario, we wouldn't have time or ability to criticize the nice life that we have. 
and to be overly critical. Cam Newton gives us that luxury at this point. So I think that, look, is that here, is Cam Newton perfect? No. But is Cam Newton anywhere in the top 10 of the reasons that this Panther team has collapsed this year? The answer is 100% no. And I tell you one thing, everybody else goes before Cam Newton. It's that simple. Everybody, anybody who is not Cam Newton is expendable at this point. All right, the number is 252-228-5098. Let's go on to the next call. Yo, yo, uh, C3, this is uh, D. Carey calling out of Richmond, Virginia. Um, first and foremost, uh, all, the, all the talk about Cam, this Cam is on Cam or Get rid of Cam or all, all the crazy fans that saying that, you're out your damn mind. Um, <laughs> Cam is a top five quarterback. I don't care what anybody else says. With everything that he does to bring and how he can scare defense, he is, he's a top five quarterback, man. Stop playing. Um, I just saw that, I guess, uh, they fired the defensive line coach and, um, uh, defensive backs coach. Um, I agree with that. Um, like we can be a lot better. In a lot of areas, but I, I don't understand like why defensive backs play nine yards off the ball. Like to me, that's stupid. You know, like yeah. you're just opening like for offense, you're just opening up yourself to for them to do whatever they want for a receiver to get in his route unchallenged. Like no, if you want to play off the ball, let's say four or five yards. You know what I'm saying? So hopefully, um, Ron and Eric Washington can try to gel something up. You know, for our defense to to be even better, because they did play decent Sunday, but I mean, they can it's still they can play a lot better, especially you know our, our corners. Because Bradbury, he's not a good off the he he has to jam. He's not good just nine yards back in his own. He's horrible there. And I just believe Jackson, you know, he can play even better just letting him do what he does. You know, like if he wants to press, press. You know, bail, bail. But we can't just be nine yards off the ball. Um. Besides that, you know, like crazy as it sounds, we just have to win this Sunday. We take it one game at a time and let the chips fall how they fall. Um, the NFC still, we're not that far back, actually, with Minnesota losing and, you know, how their schedule has to be in with Seattle. So, and we have a tiebreaker over Philly. So, I mean, just take it, you know, I'm just being optimistic, you know, honestly, but uh, just take it one game at a time. Hopefully, you know, Sunday, we we get together and our defense plays better and, and you know our offense will bounce back, camera bounce back. That's a once in the you know every few years game. So we'll be all yeah. right. Keep pounding and talk to you guys later. Yeah, fantastic call, man. Thanks you so much for the call. And yeah, and you bring up something that I feel a lot of fans have been talking about, and it's the amount of off coverage that our defensive backs play. I mean, I, I personally, I mean, and this is just my opinion. I feel that the way the NFL is set up right now, that it's moving away from zone coverage and more towards man press corners. And it's also not a coincidence that if you look at the draft and the guys coming out in the draft, most of them are press corners. And that's what Dante Jackson is also. So it, it makes sense that you would move your your defense um, in that direction to be able to defend against these shifted fast wide receivers 
that are coming out. And if you notice that when Ron Rivera reportedly took over the play calling, we did move to a more man coverage type of look against Tampa Bay. So I could not agree with you more. Um, This, I mean, listen, and it bears repeating when it comes to Cam Newton, the only other game that he threw four interceptions was his rookie year in the NFL. That is not the normal Cam Newton. It's not what you're going to see moving forward. It's an anomaly. Hopefully the defense will um, start playing more of that press man coverage. I even think Bradbury is better in man coverage. I think you're not seeing the best James Bradbury because of how we're choosing to play him. So, yeah, awesome call. Joe, thoughts on that? Yeah, I think uh, Bradbury uh, matches up better with a big guy, a physical guy versus a speedy guy. Um, and, and, you know, playing, playing eight, nine-year-olds off the ball, God, you're giving the guy so much cushion, he only needs a, a few steps and he's gaining yardage. And you do that on two out of three downs and boom, there's a first down every couple of plays. So yeah, it's, um, it truly, it definitely has to change. And Dante, uh, Jackson with his speed, you've got to put him on man to man up in your face, you know, bump and run because. Yep. Nobody, you know, there aren't many NFL wide receivers that are just going to blow by him. And he's such a great. He was 10 yards behind. He was 10 yards behind Godwin on that touchdown that he got a pass interference. He played terrible in this game. Jackson, Dante Jackson was awful in this game. But really, he continued. It was a terrible pass interference call. It was awful. Oh, it was. It was. Yeah, but his um, speed, his yeah, speed continues to mask his deficiencies at this moment. Yeah. Unlike yeah. some other guys in the league who have we've seen this. Here's the one place I don't this uh, that I disagree with the idea that the that we're moving more. We need to move towards man. This and that. All right. So. First of all, go look at Brett Coleman's recent video on Eddie Jackson. Is that correct? Yeah, is that the right yeah, name? Yeah. That's yeah. Is it, you look at the free safety for for the Chicago Bears, and he's calling him the defensive player of the year. And we've yeah, had Brett Coleman on the show. And, yeah, and he has been such a difference maker. Here's the deal. Is the Panthers are, are okay at corner. They got, they're okay. Bradbury is okay. He makes mistakes. He makes some good mm-hmm. plays. He's not good. He's he's not better than good, and he's not worse than good. At the same time, as Dante Jackson is a rookie and has some 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 phenomenal type athleticism that can and some catch up speed that really bails him out, and makes him uh, able to play in a different way than other guys ha- can play. And that is, he can be more of what he wants to be. Now, here's the deal: is we have always done this. The Carolina Panthers have always played 10 yards off the damn corner. Go back to that yeah. year, Joey, Joey, that we had. A, remember Antoine Kaysan? And I thought Antoine Kaysan, after we started 2-0, and was going to mm-hmm. be the truth at Carolina. And he was trash. And we had Deku. Here's the thing. 
is that you cannot have okay talent in the secondary and less than adequate talent on the defensive line. I don't care if Luke Keekley is your middle linebacker. I don't care who, how fast your linebackers are. That doesn't help you. Is that you have to have either a dominant secondary or a dominant front line. If you have mediocre on either, you can, this is what the Carolina Panthers can't do right now. They cannot ask those guys, and this is what they are doing. When they say play off them 10 yards, they're saying keep the play in front of you. That's mm-hmm. all that means. It says mm-hmm. keep the yeah. play in front of you. But when you say that, what it does is this, is as long as you keep the play in front of you, the guys up front are going to be the difference maker. They're the ones that are going to be, hey, maybe this is a completion for eight yards or maybe it's a sack for three yards. But when they're not doing anything, you can't keep the ball in front of you because keeping the ball in front of you is a 10-yard game and when three seconds go or five seconds go by, it's a 20-yard game. So it's unsustainable. What I think you have to do is this, is you got to have either a dot, and we just don't have a free safety that has the speed and the range to help guys. God bless Eric Reed for coming to this team and trying to make an impact early on. He has not been bad. He has been okay, but he has not been great. And at the same time, he's a strong safety, and we're asking him to play free and strong. Here's the problem. You can't do those things and not have an elite talent somewhere on the defensive line or in the secondary. Damn. And I, 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 didn't, I didn't even wonder, you know, <laughs> we, we, we've talked a little bit before, um, you know, about, about Luke's performance this year. And, you know, uh, now we're talking about Kerwan Short and Dontari Paul. I wonder if you even throw Eric Reed into that. I wonder, you know, you know the saying, one bad apple will spoil the bunch. Uh, I wonder if uh, sloppy play by other players on the team are really kind of having to cause uh, our better players to have to do more, you know. And I kind of think that's the case right now, especially when it comes to Luke. Um, I don't mind playing Eric at free safety. I just feel that, you know, it's it, it might take him even more than just this year to um I agree. That's you know, great to, point. Yeah, to, to turn it yeah, to turn it on. I still want to sign him. We have so many needs on the team right now. I don't even want to think about having to draft a safety. Especially at this point well, in the ball here's, game. Here's the good news on that point, Cody, is this is you're talking about is that if this is kind of like a player almost coming off an injury where they are healthy enough to play each week and play hard, but it's next year when you really see them hit peak performance. The good news about this is maybe you get Eric Reed on discount a little bit because he's been okay, but not, you know, the mystique of Eric Reed is not there anymore because we've seen him before. Whoever's phone is beeping. We got to turn it down. (laughs) But the whoever... This is the mystique of, of Eric Reed could change this team and make us the 85 Bears is gone at this point. So the good news about that is, is he hasn't been bad. He just hasn't been, um, a really a game changer to this point. But I do feel like this is that whenever a safety is a game changer, is that when you see Eric Reed making tackles, that's a bad thing. That's my opinion. It's yeah. a bad thing when, when he's safeties are tackling. It's not been a good yeah. day. Yeah. All right. The number is 252 228 5098. 
Oh yeah, and I had a call back because I forgot to, um, I guess, tell you guys at this point. Um, this is B. Carey again from Richmond, Virginia. Um, again, the, the talk about Cam and people, you know, try to dump on Cam. Um, uh, me and my wife were at the, the Pittsburgh game, Carolina Pittsburgh game. You know, she's a Pittsburgh fan and I'm Carolina, of course. But, um, yeah, had a lot of, of course, fans talking smack to me, you know, had my Cam jersey on. Um, even though they were talking smack to me, you would not believe how many fans that were like, in all honesty, they would take Cam over Big Ben. Um, so the whole dumping on Cam, you may want to chill that out because regardless of what you may think, there are a lot of teams that would take Cam off our hands over their starting quarterback right now. Yeah, there's so like 28 teams. You you, I guess you know how the saying goes, you know, you won't miss whatever, you know what I'm saying, you won't miss it until the well run, runs dry or, you know, you, you don't know what you had till it's gone. Yeah, you may want to chill out with all that uh, Cam being gone talk because if, if Cam was to go to Atlanta, bro, I swear to God, like, <laughs> I would just make sure every fake Panther fan that's dumping on Cam that wants to say something about him, yeah, they're going, yeah, man, come tighten up, man. Let Just me tell it. you this. That's all, man. Is that, this is, that is my worst fear. That's not the <laughs> biggest nightmare in my entire life. It's for Cam Newton to wear an Atlanta Falcons jersey. Unless he's 44 years old yeah. and a broken shell of himself, and that happens. Look, I have been to probably, for some reason, I used to always go to it. I go to a lot of lot Atlanta Falcon fans. Every year I try to get to a game. Did not get to a game this year just yet. So far this year is really disappointing. But I always like to go see. For some reason, I always end up playing the Falcons. And I tell you this, is I watched Mike Vick destroy the the ECU Pirates, my college team, for a couple of years. Absolutely annihilate them single-handedly. Then Michael Vick goes to the Atlanta Falcons and annihilates the Carolina Panthers. If I have a person that I really love, like I like Cam Newton, man crush, and he's in Atlanta Falcons jersey, that is impossible to me. I cannot do this. This would be... Uh, r- the worst possible. Ca- Joey, this would be like if you found out that Ronald Reagan was a communist spy. <laughs> it would be a nightmare. I mean, it just, it like gives me the heebie-jeebie just to think about him wearing a number one Atlanta Falcons jersey. The heebie-jeebies, it makes me feel sick. It would be like, all of a sudden, I would be, it would make me a cuck. That's a nasty reference. But (laughs) if you know what I'm saying is this, as I tell you one thing, is that I ain't watching no man sleep bed my wife. We gonna get, somebody gonna get killed. You know what I'm saying? That is the equivalent of Cam Newton playing in damn Atlanta Falcons jersey is somebody bed my wife. And that ain't gonna happen. The professor lose his shit right there. That's what I'm telling you this. It ain't gonna happen. And I'm gonna tell you this. If Cam Newton ever goes and plays in Atlanta and we allow that to happen, God bless. I am not watching football. What the I hell did I watching fo- back in on? <laughs> you heard this is that uh the caller from Richmond said this is that if you uh for all those people that are sleeping on Cam Newton, just think of him in an Atlanta Falcons jersey and tell me how much you're gonna miss him that. And boy, I'm telling you, is that 
we're going to have some problems. All right. The number is 252-228-5098. We got a ton of calls to get through. All right, guys. It's uh Carolina kid here. Or Chicago kid. I was originally from Carolina, so whatever my name is. I'm Christian. Uh, I was on the, uh, the chat and the YouTube stuff. Uh, but you know who I am. Chicago kid. Um, so... I was really negative last time and I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and even though our situation has become more rare, you know what? I almost feel a bit of a relief because we know roughly what this team is now and we know that there are definite things that need to be, uh, addressed, whether that's on coaching or the player personnel. Uh, we've talked about the closing window of our stars. Um, but I just want to bring it back to one thing that it was a, it was a big lesson for me. Um, so just to rehash, uh, you guys know that I'm obviously a diehard Panthers fan. I'm a diehard Atlanta Braves fan, and that goes back to uh, a lot of connections to my father. Uh, and I'm a diehard Clemson fan. Shout out to you, Cody. So, um, yeah, yeah, baby, all in. Anyway. So you guys know that the Atlanta Braves long, uh, almost two decades straight of success. And uh, it was really odd for me when they just took a nosedive. And I was in Chicago, and this was right when the Cubs really started to turn it around after just over a century of, of just failure. And Tony, I know that you are a Cubs fan, so yeah. you can you can uh, relate to this being a Cubs fan. But uh, me being a Braves fan, I remember going to a game a couple years ago, and it was Chris Bryant's uh, <laughs> rookie season, and it was the first time I expected the Braves to lose because I was starting to realize that we were terrible and the Cubs were not. Um, Anyway, Chris Bryant hits two home runs. We get blown out of the water. I'm really sad. I'm on the subway, and an old-school Cubs fan, an old-timer, says to me, he goes, it'll get better. He goes, all you got to do, you got to realize, you can yell at your team, you can yell with your team, but as long as you're yelling for them, that's what real fandom means. And so, yeah, we're looking at – a bad situation it, with the man. Panthers right now, but the epitome of keep pounding is we got to be those kind of fans. Anyway, you guys keep it up. I don't have a lot more than that. Keep it up. Keep pounding everyone, and let's get this done, whatever that means. Thanks. That that call gave me the chill bumps in the South. That's what we call <laughs> Jewish bumps. It's the chill bumps. It's because it's true. Is this is that I I get so upset. With the whole time that any time like you like we're scared to even be upset that we're losing, somebody's gonna call us out. Or at the same time, I do think I'm, I'm probably like the opposite of this when it comes to talking shit about Cam. Is that like y'all better be scared to talk junk about Cam when I'm around? But at the same, I, is that here's the thing: is that this discussion is entirely what the fans are supposed to do. As long as we're not. Atlanta, as long as we're not Ric Flair, right? That's what <laughs> yeah, fans are right. supposed to do. If we don't have a pulse, if we're not upset, if we're not sad, if we weren't, if you weren't sad after the Super Bowl, 
and happy after the NFC Championship in 2015, then you're dead. You got no pulse. That's what fans are supposed to do. Numbers 252-228-5098. Great call. And I tell you that, Carolina Kid's a listener. He knows I'm a Cubs fan. Gentlemen, you can hear some cars riding by me because I'm walking to my car from work. It's Monday night. Had the uh, full 24-hour news cycle to think about what's happened. Um, And uh, I'm not too down anymore. I'm kind of relieved. You know, not that I'm glad that we're not doing well. I'm just kind of relieved because I don't have to worry about heart palpitations anymore. Um, However, (laughs) if I were an optimist, which I like to think I am, but this team really stretches my ability to be optimistic. I agree with you. um, I'd look at the fact that everybody so far, you know, we'll find out what happens tonight with the Redskins Philly game. Everybody so far that we needed to lose, aside from Seattle, lost. So we still (laughs) very clearly are in this hunt. Not up to us, though, um, which is uncomfortable. I don't know if we want to go to the playoffs. I don't know if I want to go to the playoffs, to be quite honest. I I don't want to. (sighs) I don't think we got what it takes. Letting us kind of have a a building year this year and going to the offseason. But – Wanted to uh, comment on this coaching changes. The coaching changes, um, what's so very interesting is it's the D-line and the secondary. So basically, um, they fired the guy who took over Eric Washington's spot so that Eric Washington can have his job back, essentially. <laughs> oh, that's a great point. Um, <laughs> got to clear out the space. It could be considered a demotion uh, because, obviously, he wouldn't take a demotion, right? So, uh, and then obviously the secondary coach, I think that was just, uh, Ron trying to save face as well. So that he can have a bigger role. I mean, if he didn't have a bigger role beforehand, what the hell was he doing? Amen. I mean, I'm being honest, yeah, I mean, he can be a delegator. Sure. But like from the tape that I see, I mean, it's not like he's running anything, the, uh, the defense or, you know, making decisions. He literally just stands there and watches the game. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. More goes into it, I'm sure, but That's I don't know. Just it's true. some observations. Yeah, it's premium series. Yeah, out of breath walking to my car. Sorry, a little uphill. Um, a little uphill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that feeling. Life is uphill for me. He's in his car. What yeah. you got left for us? That was it. That's the call. What a good call. Let's see. He's probably going to come back. Look, let's see what he's listening to. Come on. Let's hear the music. It better be some sweet Man. Caroline. I thought it was going to be the Carolina, the C3 Panthers podcast. That's what I was yeah, I heard it. All right. So here, as I, I think this is that when it comes to the – first of all, great point when it comes to clearing out space yeah. to put uh, Eric Washington back where he was. But I think this is – I saw first – is look is I think that Jordan Rodriguez. First, uh, I want to look. I want to commend all these people for working as hard as they do. You know, they're out there. They're doing the best they can. So I don't want to be the person that snipes from the sidelines. But you know, she is a younger reporter. Let's just put it this way: is that she hasn't been around for two decades. So she is in a big spot now that Joe Person has left the Charlotte Observer, and she's stepped into a bigger role, and so she can hear it in the press conferences. 
And, you know, she's doing a, a good job, right? But when it comes to poor Jordan, is that Jordan screwed up last year when she went after Cam and lost him as yogurt sponsor because everybody's got a short temper when it comes to Jordan Rodriguez. And when I say Ron Vera doesn't, and she has asked Ron Rivera some tough questions in these press conferences. She did follow up on the temper stuff. So she asked a question. He said, don't, I don't, I'm not going to answer that. And then she asked again. He said, don't answer me. Don't ask that again. Right. He like scolded her. But when it comes to what was it is that we were talking about, uh, hold on. The, the, the thought just escaped me. Oh, she said, when you took over the play calling, Ron, I saw this week that you had a different card in your hand. It was a little bit bigger. Like the play call card was bigger. And he's like, no, it's the same card I hold every time. And I feel like Ron, like I can understand you're irritated by some of the tough questions, but that's just not true. You have been, like the caller said, just watching the games on the sidelines. If all of a sudden my man's got a damn uh, menu from Cheddar's that's like seven pages long, <laughs> is that all of a sudden that's different. That is different. So going to this is that, look, is that really, are these changes substantial enough? Are they truly meaningful, Cody, on the defensive side? Or is this just a little bit of space clearing? And I would actually go back to this is I think probably the best point of the call is this is why hasn't Ron been a larger part of the, of the defense and the uh, creation of the defense, specifically when you know you have a young coordinator, when you have a inexperienced assistant. And to me, this has been the most disheartening point part of the team is this, is that look, is that you can understand when the offense and Ron's not going to step in all of a sudden and do play calling for the offense. But I expect this defense to be better all the time. And Ron Rivera, I felt like, should have noticed these weaknesses and these deficiencies early deficiencies deficiencies earlier, if that's the case. Yeah, it always feels like Ron Rivera is a day late dollar short. Uh, I mean, he's. Uh, I mean, even if you look back just recently, C.J. Anderson. I mean, we could have traded him for something. And yet now we, we'll, we'll let him go after we know he's just frustrated. You know, there are things that we do after the fact that it feels as though they should have been done, I mean, a, a week or two prior. And, it, I mean, we feel that there is, I mean, this is a continuous pattern with Ron Rivera, and it's not going away. And uh, I also feel that there is a, a bit of loyalty um, at, at work here. Uh Ron Rivera and Eric are friends, and you know I don't I don't think that he wanted to throw him under the bus, and, uh, and he probably said, shouldn't. Said, You're the problem. Yeah, and yeah, he, he probably shouldn't. To be honest, yeah, and I don't I don't think that that Eric Washington is the reason for all of our defensive woes, but at the same time, uh, Ron Rivera should have stepped in earlier, and I'm uh, yeah I'm disappointed that he didn't. Um, but does it surprise me? No, I'm not under the illusion of who Ron Rivera is as a head coach at this point in time. Uh, I'm not, again, he's not terrible, but I, I just, I don't believe that Ron Rivera is going to bring us to the top of the mountain where we all want to be. What I've learned about Ron, go ahead, Joe. Yeah, the problem is Ron Rivera should have stepped in when teams were, Running for you know hundred yard game against us, 
when we started to give up big plays, he needed to jump in sooner. It's way too late at this point. As a head coach, I understand kind of uh, you have to have your eyes on everything, and you want to let your coordinators do their job. You want to let them coordinate. But especially with someone who was as green as Eric Washington, he should have kept a really short leash on him. Not because he didn't trust him. Or just be more involved. It doesn't yeah. even have to be an oversight yeah. thing. Is this is he's really said the things in the press conferences that we expected should have been happening all season, Joey, and that is that he's not just demoting him; he's just playing a more involved role in the game. Where was that week one through ten? Right, right. Why does it take us losing four in a row before you realize, oh, maybe I should uh, be a little more involved in, in the defensive meetings? Why does it take losing four games in a row? Why, after we lost to Atlanta, didn't he say, hmm, maybe I should go in there, impart a little wisdom, maybe, uh, you know, help him, uh, for Fair's game plan or, or something. Or right. maybe take some of the burden off of them and say, I'm going to assist in the secondary a little bit more. Right? Is that some of this might not just be him as Washington as a coordinator, but Washington with a handful of green assistants as well. And exactly. where is Ron that's noticing here what, what a good manager does, manager does is knows how to get the most out of the people. And yeah. what I felt like is that maybe he's put Ron, uh, Eric Washington in a situation with too little talent and not enough support and potentially put him in a situation he was set to fail. Exactly. That's exactly right. He was he set him up to fail. The chat room is filthy, guys. Josh from Mass said straight up that uh, Caller drives a Ford. From the door shop. <laughs> How nasty is this? The C3 Panthers podcast that dialed in, folks. Dialed in so much, we're calling make some models out of this car. The number's 252-228-5098. Turn your phone to portrait mode. Smash that thumbs up button. If you're hanging out here in the chat room, give us a thumbs up. It don't cost you nothing, right? You can consider donating to the show if you are interested. The Patreon link is in the show notes. As well as we got a couple of PayPal links, we got a couple of T-shirts, we got a camera, and look, look, we ain't gonna make no money off of this sucker. We do this for fun, but it does help to defray the cost of the podcast and keep our wives off our backs by us not having to spend a lot of money on what we already spend a lot of time on. Again, we're back to the cat calls. There's a ton of stuff that the Panthers are doing to make me, you know, frustrated and angry. But, and I'm sure you'll probably mention this before um, you get to this call, but why, when they're punting with a minute, like a minute, oh, no, we haven't talked whatever, about this. How much time was left on the clock in the fourth quarter? When Tampa Bay's punting, why do we have Kenyon Barner back there returning it? Like, why don't we have Christian McCaffrey, like our playmaker? Or. Because you know, he's gas or DJ Moore, yeah. somebody other than someone we just picked up like off the street two or three weeks ago. <clears throat> All right, Kenyon Barner though, actually probably not the worst option at a punt return. I'll tell you the reason we no, don't got Christian McCaffrey. 
What we got, the reason we don't have Christian McCaffrey guys in there is because if you ask him to return punts, he's going to say this as well. You want me to cut the grass next? Jesus (laughs) Christ. Man's playing every damn down. Now, I do get this, is that now you're at a point where it's like, let everybody loose. (coughs) You know, I thought that this call was going to go to this, Joey. Where were you at where the Carolina Panthers kick a 52-yard field goal to try to win the game? with like a minute left with Graham Gano, who has been less than consistent in the last couple of weeks to me is that I'm at this point, the Panthers defense has held you a couple of times towards the end of the game. I'm thinking we should punt there and uh, try to flip the field position, 52 yard field goal at the end. Again, this comes back. This is this really where we're looking at uh, where, where did this decision come from? And where did you feel about? What did you feel about it? Um, I, you know, it's so bizarre because, um, um, in the Detroit game, he, you know, he didn't want to give. Um, he went for two instead of going for one. Then he took the the opportunity out of Gano's hands, and he, you know, he took it upon himself. So there is some inconsistencies there. I would have, I think it should have punted because of the fact that the defense had played so well on the last couple of possessions. So you do punt it there. You do take that chance at slipping the field and go from a 52-yarder and maybe, you know, if you flip the field, you can get down to a 40-something-yarder. Or at the very least is this, is you push this to to overtime. Is that, here's the thing, is that, yes, could Gano, did he hit a 63-yarder in the past and win the game for us? But look, is Ron Rivera, and Cody, I'm going to turn the mic over to you on this, is that Ron Rivera was less than confident all season last year with Graham Gano beyond 50. Then you see him this year be kind of fluctuating on that, and you know, is that and Graham Gano hasn't done a lot to encourage us on that moment. To me, this is a, a really kind of a befuddling call. Is that it, it almost seemed a desperation moment, but mm-hmm. you put the Seattle Seahawks in a position to win this game where they could have won it the other way. But I didn't feel like look, going for two, Cody in Detroit, I get it. Trying to kick the field goal here with a kicker who's got the heebie-jeebies himself in this moment. I don't. This this to me was not the best decision by Ron Rivera, and I think one of the problem. I, mean, I just don't know where he's at right now. I feel like he's crumpling under pressure. Yeah, uh, and you know, I I genuinely feel that with a lot of the moves that you're seeing him make, and now that Jordan Rodriguez is hammering him on the questions. You're starting to see these these actions bleed into his answers and the way he does things on field. Um, yeah, the special teams it has been weird because it's up and down. I mean, if you follow Pro Football Focus, which listen, I like PFF sometimes. Honestly, a lot of their rank, uh, rankings sometimes seem kind of made up to me in different departments. But for what it's worth, we have the best punter in the NFL right now. Uh, Michael Polari is booming them. Mm-hmm. He's putting them right where they right where they need to be, um, and I mean he's been a, a great punter for us. And to have him be able to flip the field, 
you know, that, that's been a real asset for us. But what's even more frustrating, though, is that when you do punt the ball, our defense just lets them march right back down the field. And that's why the term complimentary football is is really a thing, you know. Your your offense plays off your defense, and your defense plays off your special teams. It, it works in tandem. And uh, there's I really do feel Ryan Khalil, when he was interviewed, he hit, hit the nail on the head that there is not a lot of discipline on this football team right now. And, um, yeah, I'm not too happy with Barner being our punt returner either. I, I don't think uh, he's the guy for the job. I mean, Demir Bird, Demir Bird's gone and injured. You know, you got to do what you got to yeah. do. And here's the thing is you don't put Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore out there and sacrifice them, their bodies, for something that really doesn't mean a lot. Unless they just take it to the house, Joey. I know you got to go in about uh, uh, shortly. Do want to ask you this though: Is that while we are saying that? Look, is that is that Ron Rivera? It, look, I don't think this is that. I think that the defense has been bad, but they've really been awful on third down. That's really mm-hmm. where they've been terrible. At, is that third down? They just can't down. Get yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So for me, this is where the defense has struggled, Joey, is when they don't know what's going to happen. But if you punt the ball down to, say, the 15-yard line, there's a minute left. You know exactly what the other team can do. So you can mask your deficiencies through scheme at that point. To me, I think this might have been the most bizarre. I don't know why you try to kick this field. I think the risk is too high here. And mm-hmm. it showed. This it really showed here. You give them the ball there. I feel like Ron Rivera. Maybe if anything, that's where you see the heat coming down on this guy. Is he feels like he's got to go in Detroit and win it right there. You give him some credit because that's what you do on the road. But this was a really. Uh, we put us ourselves in a bad position to lose this game. Yeah, just based on the, the fact that missing that field goal, they're they're like fifteen yards away. Right, their field their field position is incredibly favorable, incredibly favorable. So when when you have a kicker that is maybe uh, short in self confidence. Um, I think you go to the guy you can trust, and that's your punter. Because yeah. he's proven so, week in and week out. Yeah, he's been great. It's sad right. when one of the most dependable players on your football team is your punter. I know, you're absolutely right. Hogan. It's sad. Sad. Well, you know what? I was, I was hanging out with some Redskins fans, and I asked him, I said, how's your punter? And he said, the best player on our team. <laughs> good God! Well, you know what, man. Good Lord, is that if we didn't have Cam Newton, Mike Pilardi would be. No, I'm just kidding. Christian McCaffrey's the bomb. After our on our post game show after the Buccaneers game, uh, a fan asked, can't remember the name, but a fan asked who, a little bit about Matt Campbell, the Iowa State coach. He mentioned me being in the Midwest yeah. and being a Midwest guy. So uh, I told you, you I it's my Mid- Midwestern. Matt Campbell is originally from Ohio and. Uh, he coached at Bowling Green, and uh, towards the end of his tenure there, he actually got garnered interest from Ohio State Buckeye and Bill Belichick of the Patriots to be uh, 
like a minor coach at both of those or assistant. He turned those down because he wanted his own program. He then went to to Toledo. He did pretty well there. He's a great offensive mind. Uh, he, he's the one who utilized Cream Hunt. Cream Hunt was his like major star during his tenure there. Um, he then uh, went to Iowa State after that to move into a major conference to get more experience. This is a guy that likes his own deal. He wants to have his own program. Uh, he's been already linked this time to Ohio State and Cleveland, being as he is an Ohio native. Uh, with the Iowa State uh, Iowa State Cyclones, he has turned a mediocre, just whatever Big 12 team into one of the more dominant teams in that conference. And it's been an amazing show how he's done it because he is an offensive smart guy. He knows how to run his offense, but he is constantly changing it. Um, I know personally that in the Iowa State this couple of last two years, he's had quarterbacks go down. And when the next one comes in, just changes the offense just enough to make them shine and bring out their quality. He knows how to use his weapons very well. He's a very, mm-hmm. very smart young coach. He's only 38 years old. Uh, he's a very high-energy guy, always moving around, always up-tempo, like just in standing on the sideline. Like he is always going. He's that wind-up toy that got wound up a little too much. Um, uh, those are his pros. I mean, he's a great offensive mind, young, and his players will play and do whatever, and they respond to him. And he is constantly going throughout the game and talking to players. He's just great. Uh, my, my main con on him for being a coach, especially in the NFL, is uh, the, I don't remember what conference Toledo is, but that one and the Big 12 are probably some of the worst defenses in all college football that he has exploited. So that, that'd be my one downside to him. But other than that, I mean, he is a great candidate, especially for a year when there's not premier candidates and everybody wants the new, you know, either Sean McVay, young guy on offense, or Dan Quinn, smart guy on defense, you know, the young upcomers. That This is what the NFL is kind of leading towards. So he's going to be a hot name and be in everybody's mouth for almost every candidacy for a coach this year. So that's just one to inform you guys on that. I think this is part two, though, Cole. Uh, sorry, I just finished my last call for that little coaching <laughs> scouting, but uh, oh, about the Panthers. Um, you know, as a day one Panthers fan, it's just seems like an episode I've seen way too many times. Just to win, win great, lose great, win great, lose great. Not only game to game, but season to season. It's just really frustrating. Um, to go from six and two to six and six. And at six and two, I was very cautious and conservative because, like, our only really major awesome win was the Ravens at that time. That was the only one that I saw. Like, that's the win. That's the one we really won and showed we beat a good team. Um, I mean, there's still hope this year, and I will always keep pounding. But this is the team type of team is like if we do go to the playoffs, I I, I hope we can show up. You know, like. Even if you lose, I want, I don't want to look bad in games. And we, we haven't, I mean, we look bad in the Pittsburgh game, haven't really the but we know the talent on this roster compared to years past. And with that talent being in place, even with the injuries, I think we all know in our hearts that this team should be better at this point right now. And they're not. And that is a straight direct coral, you know, it's a straight issue straight to the coaching. And 
number one is Rivera. I love him to death, and I love the job he's done here. He's done amazing. But he's got to go. Herney's got to go first. Like, yeah, I think you're right. It's Herney's got to go first. I wrote that article for you, Tony, about it last time. Like, we need somebody who's going to take care of this organization. At the time I wrote, I didn't know we were getting a new owner, but we got a new owner now, and we have the chance to do what I said in that. Somebody's going to take this and do what's best for us. Every decision, every signing, every deal, every moment. Like, and that starts at the end. And then that will trickle down to the coach. The number one herney has got to go. Like, if there's anything that screams Richardson in the old camp, it's Marty Herney. And he's number one. So all this Cameron Rivera talk is kind of bad burner. And a lot of it, everything is personnel and coaching. Because general managers have to We are a team that needs to be We need a new one. All right. Anything. Fantastic call, J Dub. He's got a lot to talk about. Well, I good think. one. You always keep on. Man, great call. Good Look, is, uh, that, that's why we called on you, the salt of the earth, the corn-fed middle America guy right there to help <laughs> us uh, with, with, uh, with the little coaching scouting there. You know, I mean, look, you always got to wonder and be concerned about how a, co- a college coach translates to the NFL. Right. Is that 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 would be my is always my hesitancy there. But retreading the retreads may not be the good thing. What I think is interesting about this, Joey, is we go back to here. We're here about like, look, if that we are going to make a change is that we really got to start with Herney. And it isn't a referendum on what Herney has done. To be honest, I think this is that if we get rid of Herney and Ron Rivera, it says less about what they've done. Because they've done enough is that, look, as Marty Herney came in here under some weird circumstances and gave us one of our better drafts, it looks like, has not been a weakness necessarily in composing this roster. Ron Rivera has taken us to probably close four games away from the most successful coach in Panthers history. But it's about this. It's not about what they've done. It's about what they can't do in a sense. And I, I think Ron, I think Marty Herney's a non-issue right here is that obviously is that is like, he's a thing of the past whenever a change is made. But when it comes to Ron Rivera, Joey, I don't know if Ron Rivera has ever been, this is anything more than a good locker room players coach and a guy that can keep the ship steady in troubled waters. I don't know if Ron Rivera has won us games. And that comes down to this year is that this defense has been a letdown, even though there's less personnel and there's this changeover. Where is the genius? Not the genius, but where is the Ron Rivera factor? And I don't know if we've seen it. Well, I know he's won us at least one game. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> even, even the one game, he, he only went for it on fourth down because of all the pressure he was under. Um, but, yes, he... He's never been the coach to get you over the hump. He's been the coach to get you there, and then the play of the players got you over the hump. Um, so, I mean, there are coaches out there that are capable of, of winning games, and um, those are the guys I think that we're, we're going to be looking for. Um, nothing against Ron. You know, Ron's a very likable guy. If you like him, you tend to pull for him, but there comes a point when you realize, hey, 
this team needs more than that. And I think that's the point that we've reached. He is but a likable guy. Yeah, he's a likable guy. He's a rootable guy. But at the same time as this is that this is where I get with this is that you're going to say, look at the success and the consistent success he's brought us. Don't drop on me that we won three division championships in a row when one of those came at seven, eight and one. That one doesn't count. You backed into that one. So you take that out of there. But the thing that I'm really looking at when it comes to Ron Rivera is this, is that like I just expect, look, I think Ron Rivera is too much is a philosophy guy. And that is, this is what works in the long term. And we're just going to do it. It doesn't matter who we're going to play. It doesn't matter where we play, what we're going to do. We're going to do the same thing. And, you know, I think that there's something admirable in having some principles about football, but I think the weakness is this, is that I've never felt like we've really changed our strategy for the opponent. Like I've just never felt like we have done something that threw that took advantage of their weakness intentionally. Is that what you said, Joey, was is that we said that our players were going to put them in these positions and they've got to play better. They've got to outplay the person. I feel like this when we talk about Bill Belichick, we say this as he says all the time, he's going to take away your best player. You're going to have to beat him some other way. He's scheming to do something to you to screw with you is that I just feel like this is that the Ron Rivera is going to say this. You stop the run, you rush the passer and you don't give up big plays. It don't matter if you're playing Drew Brees. It don't matter if you're playing Osweiler. That's the formula for winning. And when you just, and you're just going to keep doing it over and over. And that's fine that you like, it is a winning formula, but what happens when you can't do those things? Right, when you have to adjust on the fly. And that has been a problem with this team, making adjustments. They, they had a difficult time doing that, and I think they notoriously had a difficult time doing that. All right. Joe Riolano, I know you got to dip out of here, brother. You're going to be able to catch up with it? Well, obviously you'll be here, I hope, for next Tuesday. Uh, next we'll get Tuesday and hopefully uh, Sunday post-game as well. All right, Joe. You can follow Joe Riolano at Joe Riolano on Twitter, man. It's great hanging out with you, brother. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you, C3 Nation. Love you guys. Have a great rest of your week. All right, right, Joe. Keep going. We're going to keep going through these calls. We still got more to go. Good evening, group. This is JC out of Newport, NC, calling in a lot of these, uh, these new things that Ron's trying to do. Cancel. Hey, Panthers Poundcast, how y'all doing? This is G Cavassier. Hey, I know you guys have been looking at the internet and watching TV. Yeah, two assistant coaches got fired today. Well, a couple of days ago, you know, the defensive line coach and the cornerback coach. This is my opinion. They should have done this after the Detroit game. That's just my opinion. After the, the Detroit game, Ron should have been like, okay, we got we got a little mix-up. The reason why I called you guys is this. There's four games left. I still still do believe that we can make the playoffs. I really do through a wild card. I think we will get that final wild card spot. I think it's going to be us and Minnesota personally. 
That's what I truly think. Um, another thing to drop on your mind, okay, I said fire Ron Rivera. I'm still on a fire Ron Rivera train. My question is this. Would you guys feel safer if Ron Rivera would have come back next season if he does get fired and be the defensive coordinator? I'll say bring him on board as a defensive coordinator. That's just my opinion. Nah, he can man, run a damn defense. Look what he did for Chicago. Look what he did for the for the LA Chargers for back then the San Diego Chargers. Can't do that. I'm willing to do that. I just think he's not built up to be a head coach. But give me your thoughts on that and keep pounding. Can't do that. That's like getting divorced and living with your wife and she marries another guy. A lot of wife references here. I must be very insecure about my wife leaving me. <laughs> But what I'm saying is this, is that like some things just don't work. It don't matter if you're friends after you get married, you don't vacation together with your ex-wife. I think this yeah. is that look. I mean, is that I, I right now I'm starting to be upset. My, my thing is this, is I don't think that Ron Rivera is a great defensive coordinator. And the fact that the only reason I don't believe the reason I don't believe that is that like the caller said, earlier in the show he's just always watching the game i just felt like this is that he should recognize that our defense was having uh chemistry issues and problems earlier and i feel like this whole like i'm stepping in and doing this is just smoke and mirrors and for show is that it's all reeling and to me is that defense is under talented and uh ron rivera has been overwhelming to him and his staff this year yeah and i do feel that it is a show it's all right, good Uncle Ron's going to come in and make everything better. I'll call the defensive <laughs> players from here on out. Everything will be okay. We'll go back to business as usual. You know, too I have little, everything late. under control here. Uh, yeah, I'm not um, – I mean, listen, I don't think that Ron is a bad defensive-minded head coach. In fact, I do think that under him, I mean, one thing that you can say about our defense for the past few years, you know, uh, is that when we're on our best, we are a run-stopping, pass-rushing football team. And I do feel that that is a little bit of Ron Rivera's blueprint. Now, that isn't to say that if we had another um, more offensive-minded head coach, if it was Matt Campbell or Filippo or, or, or anyone like that, it doesn't mean that we have to stray away from being a stout, tough defense. Um, yeah, I just don't know. Look at Philadelphia. Look at Philadelphia, an offensive coach, a progressive coach, yeah. but that defense was filthy last year. Yeah, filthy, and that's really what that's really what you need to do. But honestly, even from Ron Rivera's standpoint, I mean, I don't know. You have to consider some team somewhere. If he's fired here in Carolina, someone will pick up Ron Rivera to be the head coach somewhere else. So why would he want to stay here just as a defensive coordinator? It's just I mean, I, I love the um the the sentiment of it. I don't hate Ron Rivera the person. I, I just yeah, if we move on from Ron Rivera, it'll be a, a permanent move on. All right. Thanks for the support, Carl D. You're the man. You're a boy. That's Carl, Carl D in there D. bringing it strong. Hi, what's up? This oh, Carl D. Look, he knew his call was up next. What's going on to my C3 podcast to my brothers. How you doing up, tonight, dude? Tony, Cody, and Joe? 
I love Carl D. First of all, I'd like to start off with a little message to my homeboy, Cody. Hey, Cody. um, What's up, man? On this podcast that I uh, um, tune into every Monday night at 9 o'clock p.m., shout out to my boys, Rashad B. and David Rose. That's Panther Nation Podcast, Mondays, 9 o'clock Eastern Time. Anyway, um, anyway, one of the guys did a statistic from Monday's um, thing, and Cody, I know you like statistics, um, where he proved that um, that game wasn't the interceptions and the forced interceptions that came through was not all of the uh, – was definitely not all on the offensive line. Um, Shaw did a great statistics and showing us mm-hmm. n- numbers, and you'll be surprised, um, shocked by the numbers that he gave. That when Cam knew one of the stats was when Cam had time, at least two seconds, he is. He had time in the pocket, at least two seconds. He his stats was he his passing stats was terrible. But anyway, to get a little bit more info, go check out the podcast, which is again Panther Nation podcast, nine o'clock Eastern time Monday nights. Okay, okay, let's get that out the way. Um, guys, if this thing run out, I'm gonna call back. Um, you got, I mean, Ron Rivera is a, you know what? I like to say, guys, he is a freaking joke right now. I mean, a big joke. Now you want to shake up the coaching staff. Now you want to take over play callers. Now you want to demote people, fire people. Um, I say it's a little bit too late. Yeah, I agree. Um, people I keep agree. I keep hearing people say, "Oh, we still have time. We can make the playoffs um, if we win out." But really, really, guys, you think we winning out? I don't think no, so. No, and this is to me is this as I just so re- I don't know. Here's a, we're going to come back to Carl D here on the next call. But Cody, for me, is this is that look is that a lot of people are going to call me a quitter on this. Is that um I, and and I'm not like do I want the Panthers to make the playoffs? Yeah, because I want to see one more game from the Carolina Panthers. But do I believe at this point that we're surging in the right direction to to be able to be a wild card team that can make a run? Because that's what people say. They're going to point to the Giants. But this is our defense. We just don't have the pass rush to do it. Our offense is interesting. It is competitive and can keep us in games, but it's not as elite to the point where it can alone win us games with zero defense. I don't think the Panthers have enough teeth to get far in the playoffs. And I think this is, I just think eight and eight, nine and seven is just like, it's just a disappointment to me at this point. Now, I mean, look, I hope I'm wrong. I hope we go win the damn Super Bowl. I hope we go win out. But right now we don't look like we got the horses to win that race. No, and it, you know, I, I'm happy that this has been brought up one more time because it's also like, 
you know, it, being realistic about what we see on the football field and their chances of going forward into the playoffs, uh, I mean, that that's not being a bad fan. I mean, whenever the Panthers play, we're going to cheer our asses off for them. I mean, we're, I yeah. mean for, all, for all the bad things that we see, it's not like we're going to, you know, even hope that they start losing games to acquire more picks. I mean, I'm pulling my every Sunday. My optimism is renewed. It's a brand new day. Let's do it. But then when it's over and I've seen what I've seen, I have to be reasonable and and be honest about the product that's being put out there on the field. So yeah, do I want us to make a run? Of course I do. Do you know? Do I want to have a fairy tale comeback? Who doesn't? You're not a fan if you don't want that. But, you know, we have a problem winning football games on the road. Okay, I don't think we're snagging the division away from the Saints. At this point in time, it's literally impossible. So that means we have to go on the road throughout the entirety of the playoffs. And I'm, I'm sorry, I just don't see a team that's going to not have a bye and go on the road every single time, probably to Chicago and Los Angeles and maybe even the Superdome, and be able to pull it off without a pass rush and with our defense letting up all these plays over the top. Um, You're not a bad fan to call a spade a spade. And on top of that, I just want to point out this, is that how about we just get one win? But as we continue to keep talk statistically, this is where I get annoyed about the whole, well, let's not give up until we're statistically out of it. How about this is let's give up until we win one. And it's not giving up. What I mean by this is that, like, at the same time, that's fine that you might be able to back into the playoffs and do something. But, like, wouldn't you rather also win a game and get in the – like, is this – that 7-8-1 team to me is a joke. Is this you can't back into the playoffs with a winning with a losing record and then all of a sudden claim that that season was a success? It was fortunate, right? But right now, is they I'm just saying this let's beat Cleveland before we start even talking about whatever all the other constellations and stars and planets that have to move into the plant and into alignment. Hi, call D again. Yeah, I knew I would get cut off, so I tried to call back again. Tony, if I if you just get this part of the uh, my call, um, try to go back to the beginning of it because I try to find the other part too. But um, anyway, as is where I was cut off, left off. Ron and his firings. Um, I say it's too little, too late, Ron. I agree. To be doing stuff, and you know what, Ron is just. Yeah. He's just—I don't know. I think Tep, you know what? Tepper needs to get in there and do something. This is just ridiculous. If we lose Sunday, okay. If we lose one more game this season, and it's not to the, the two games to the Saints, which I'm expecting two losses because I don't have that much faith in this team winning like this. Um, Tepper needs to do step in, do something. Do a little shake up, Mr. T. And um and well guys, what do you think about the changes Ron called himself doing? Do you think it's gonna help? Or will everything still be the same? Same old, same old. All right. 
you guys let me know what what you think. Um, me- All right, that's Carl D there. And now here's what I'm going to tell you what I think about this is that I agree 100%. Too little, too late is this, is that I would think that these, if they are real issues, they should have been addressed earlier. Like if you're defensive line coach and this and that, like really who are you replacing them with? You could have done this in week six or week five if this was really that you weren't getting enough out of the staff. This is Ron Rivera trying to save face. And I tell you this is ever since 2015, I truly believe Ron Rivera has changed as an individual. Is that I think that the success, the coach of the year, all of that, um, he believed, he started to believe in it. And what I mean by that is that I used to always see Ron Rivera as a guy who was unshakable who was a guy that never wanted to point a finger, who was a guy that always just said this, is we're going to make plays, we're going to get better, we're going to do those things. Right now, what I've seen since 2016 is Ron Rivera who likes to talk, call out everybody else for their deficiencies. I see a Ron Rivera who at this point, who at, what I feel like is thrown, I won't say throwing these guys, look, is that did they deserve to be fired? Yeah, but probably everybody else too in that case. For me is that I right now have questions when it comes to the way that Ron Rivera has handled personnel and CJ Anderson and Cameron artist Payne and, and, and Ben, a, Ben Wickery. And I don't know how much is the general manager and how much is the coach, but Ron Rivera right now is the, the unshakable force as he looks shook to me, Cody. Yeah, he does. And, um, you know, I, that I even have my, my, I have my eyes on a few people that I've uh, found online that uh, I want to be our general manager. I mean, I'm, I, I mean, I, you I'm called sure the guy. You I, and by the way, I got a special guest coming on next week who had went to graduate school and wrote his master's thesis on what general managers do, and he's going to help us scout this. I'm going to try to bring him in ex, next week. But one of the names that you have selected is on his list of guys that last year was a guy that people wanted they just didn't think would leave it's a year later things are changing he could be a real option tell him who he is cody yeah his name is nick casario i believe if i'm saying that right uh and he's one of the higher ups for the new england patriots uh, i want to say he's the assistant gm uh for the patriots and one of the things about him is that you know people say that he might not leave because he's basically been uh, given the job for when Belichick eventually does leave. But listen, man, if you have teams that are wanting you right now, I mean, go do it. I mean, David Tepper seems to be the kind of individual that he's going to pull no punches and putting in the right people in place to fully start the the Tepper era slash regime in earnest. And someone that has been a part of a winning team for such a long time uh, has put um, super, you know, super bowl talent, pro bowl talent <laughs> onto the football team. I would love to have a mind like that in our front office and just bring in talented players that fit whatever our new coaching staff would want to be able to do, assuming that we do have a new one. I feel like we're already kind of talking as it's as if it's a done deal. I mean, it we have to see it happen first, folks. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's either, I, yeah I, I think it's keep them all or get rid of them all. There's only two options: keep them all or get rid of them all. Would you be excited about the next season of Panthers football with Ron Rivera still as the head coach? 
I think the only way I'd be excited about this is to continue to say that North Turner is really on to something with this offense and that the hope is that if we can inject some talent on the defense, Ron Rivera can get them back on track. That's the, I mean, that's is this, yeah. is that that's good. That would be good enough for me. Is that here is the idea, though, uh, would I be surprised if it was the same? I, I don't know. I don't know. I either want dramatic and distinct change or very little change. That's what I want. I just want one or the other. I don't want half measures. Yeah. Yeah, I understand hey, that. Um, All right. Well, are you ready to go to the next call? Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Hey guys, Josh from Math. What's up, so, Josh? Uh, bit, bit of interesting news this week, I guess. At least, kind of the what some of us are saying it is, is looking like the beginning of, you know, gutting uh, the offices. And uh, call me crazy, but I actually, you know, we're all calling for Ron's head. You know, finding out that he did a fair amount of play calling that game, and I guess you know, Mike Adams said, "Oh." Well, it's been all season. I, I don't, I don't buy that. Was, that was like somebody switched a light. You know, there, there was a big difference um, in the second half of the Tampa Bay game. So I, I think really what I was starting to, to become of the opinion of is maybe Washington just needs to either go or, you know, stay, you know, be demoted, you know, whatever, uh, and just let Ron handle the defense full blown. You know, and then I think really that might be beneficial to do that that way because then the offense is kind of in the hands of, of the two people that I think most of us are under the impression it really should be in the hands of, and that's Norv Turner and Cam Newton. Yeah, agreed. Um, you know, Norv yeah, play calling and, you know, maybe some of the situational side of things. You know, and then just let Cam be Cam. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, design runs, RPOs, et cetera, but, um, you know, I think maybe give him a little bit longer leash. Um, you know, that's if he's not hurt, like seriously hurt with the shoulder. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess technically we're not out of the playoffs. But again, as I, I mentioned before, and I think a lot of us have said, do we really want to go there? Do we really want to be in the playoffs? The way we're looking, it no, would be, it would I be don't. a fumbling I, 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 I'd be lying if I go say somewhere and try like hell to not get shellacked on the road in prime time, which we seem to be good at. And drop five spaces in the draft, ten spaces. Yeah, maybe. Really. I think there is hope, but I just don't feel like it's this year. I, I, I don't think so. I think there's a lot of questions going forward, and I'm curious to see who ends up having to answer them, whether it's Herney and Rivera or if new people, new faces do show up in Charlotte. Um, one thing's for sure. We've got a lot of guys who are on their, their last year. This is it. So there's a, there's a lot of places to fill. There's a ton of places to fill. But in terms of what these guys bring with experience to this team and what they've been through, especially guys like Thomas Davis, they've been to both Super Bowls. You know, three ACLs. I mean, that man's a legend. So let me tell you this, Cody. This is what we're going to have to fill next year. We're going to have to, arguably, I think we're going to have to replace our center. I think we're going to have to place yeah. our left. I mean, I, I mean, is that that's the question mark? Is does he come back or not? 
But we have to replace Chris Clark at left tackle. We have to hope that we can establish some depth on the offensive line. We need a safety. We need um, two defensive ends. And now that Vernon Butler's a healthy scratch, a defensive tackle, there there are a ton of needs. Pers- oh, and by the way, we just lost Greg Olson, arguably for his career, where, yeah, you're going to go in and you're going to say we've got a lot of hope and optimism about um, Ian Thomas, but I don't think you can go into the season and say that we're only going to go with basically – uh, one potential tight end threat who is a second-year player with potential. Like, you're going to have to do some things personnel-wise. Oh, and you cannot – look, we got punt return, kickoff return needs. We've got arguably a, 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 a field goal kicker that we have to address. And last is let's not forget, you cannot just expect Christian McCaffrey to play 100% of the plays. You do have to have somebody – that either a compliments him or is there enough for in case he gets hurt. Dude, there are so many personnel issues on this front. It's going to be hard. Let me add another one to that list too. We don't know if we're going to pay Shaq Thompson or not. So are are, are we, are are we needing to draft another linebacker? I mean, Devin Funches. What about Devin Funches? See you later. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and look, that, that puts you in a position like, one of the best linebackers in the draft this year is a linebacker from LSU. His name is Devin White. You know, let's say we end up having the 17th or 18th pick. It, I mean, he's awesome. Okay, he is certified awesome. I love him. He's a smaller Luke. I mean, if he's sitting right there, do you not take him and have him playing next to Luke? I, I mean, yeah, that's it, it really. Whenever you lay out like that, Tony, all the different players that we need and all the things that we have to fill now. It really does, you know, bring up that term window, and it does feel like there was a collective failure between um, David Gellerman and Mario Herney, even in that one year. And that Ron drafted. Rivera. And Ron and Rivera. Ron Rivera that they, that this is not they the guy. Exactly. Yeah, they, they failed to capitalize on a very real window of highly talented players and they didn't get the job done, and now we're having to refill a lot of those positions, and it's tough to do. It's tough to do. When it comes to the coaching staff is this, is that I think you do this, is that you go, I really think is that if you don't really feel good about what you're going to do, and that is, look, it might not work out whoever you go bring in, but if you don't really believe in it from the beginning, if you're just changing because it's time to change, I don't know if that's the right move. Is that, look, is that Ron Rivera, Eric Washington will not come back as defensive coordinator next year. It's just that simple. Is even if he's still part of the staff, is that there's not, it's been too disastrous this year and Ron is too close to losing his job. But I do think there is some things to be optimistic when it comes to the offensive side. So I just want to see that Ron needs to grow some backbone. I think is that I want to see him stop fidgeting at these press conferences. I want to say this is we're better than this and we're not going to let this get, I'm not going to get shook. I'm not going to get shook by your stupid questions. I'm not going to get shook by damn David Tepper is that look, we lost four games and we're going to win one. And next year we're going to win all of them. That's what we're going to do. Stop being shook. Stop being a pussy. That's what I said. Yeah, man.
Josh again. Sorry, I ran long. Um, but you know, we, like I said, we, we really just can't overlook the importance of, of guys like TD and their experience they bring to this team. You know, Peppers. You know, those are, you know, just on the defensive side of the ball, there's two, two big ones and then Khalil, uh, be gone. Olsen is probably hanging it up and you can't blame him. That, that's what's never going <laughs> to be. Basically, Sam Likely, uh, you know, you agitate something like that two times in one season and once really bad last year, the initial injury, it's, it's, you know, that's your body saying, this is it, man. And that really sucks. But, you know, and then there's a lot of other questions going forward. You know, if you really want to get out into past the season, you know, we keep the Funches around. Uh, nope. Shaq Thompson going to be around. Gosh. About like guys like Paul. We're all yeah, on the same page. What are we doing that? The exact same page. You know, and then of course, you know, the big question, I think the biggest question for us, I think going into the off season is, is what do we do about Matt Khalil? Do oh, we try God. to find a way out from underneath all that money and try to get cap space open back up? Not necessarily for. Yeah, you have to. I think you make him pick up fucking trash at the some, games. Just some more <laughs> <laughs> like you're paying him. I mean, of course you can you can draft that, but you know you are paying him. Make his ass fucking take out the trash. Comes with promise, but not experience. Yep. So. I'm frustrated now. I'm getting to you know, his end. i be curious to see how this pans out, guys, but hopefully we don't get the crap kicked out of us by the Browns. Oh, man. Oh, oh man. that's going to be a... Could you imagine that? We no, I can't. Oh. I can't. Oh, my. you imagine that? You want to imagine that? I don't want to imagine that. I do when no, I pulled down my pants and I didn't no, wipe my ass well. It's that. a skid well, mark. Keep pounding, boys. <laughs> Love the show. Freaking skid market. All right, last Appreciate call of the night. Man, thank you for the support, man. Josh has been in the chat room as well. We appreciate that. Last call of the night. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's your boy with the black cat. Uh-oh. Uh, Brother Herbert. Herbert. Yeah. Okay, I'm not going to. I scolded him. I don't him. really have too much faith. <laughs> I just wanted um, to point out a couple of things. Like, after I slept on it, I think I tweeted it and everything. Um, I feel okay with Father not being... All right, this week he should have been, but I'm okay with it because he Ronald Air does a lot of deflecting and blaming and everything like that. So by him actually firing, you know, assistants and all that kind of stuff, and saying that he's going to be like basically taking over the play calling and all that kind of stuff. Uh, now, if we fail. He can't deflect anymore because he got rid of all the state votes. Um, can him say about Washington because he personally said that he's going to be calling the plays and all that kind of stuff. So I, I'm actually like, <laughs> we're, this is going to be kind of entertaining because like I said, he does do a lot of deflecting. And I know we talk about Cam and everything, but at least Cam does take responsibility for his mistakes and mishaps. Ronald Reed does not. Agreed. Uh, and this is just a, a thing, because I've been looking at coaches and everything like that, and I know y'all say y'all want a young kid, but this, this is just a, like a, a question or whatever. Uh, what about um, Jim Harbaugh? I know he's not doing great in college, 
but at the same time, he's an excellent NFL coach. I think he, his game and everything fits more of an NFL style than college. But just let me know what you think. That's just a thought, you know, thrown out there. Uh, anyway, y'all are doing a great job and keep on. Thank you, Brother Thanks Herbert. Uh, we've been, uh, Brother Herbert has been an active participant on the show. We appreciate that. He's got a lot of good input. But here's my problem with the Harbaugh pick is I'd rather have the Harbaugh from Baltimore than the Harbaugh from Michigan. And the reason I say this is that whoever this coach that comes in better have a beautiful, wonderful, magnificent relationship with Cam Newton. And I feel like homeboy is too salty and too foul mouthed that he's going to piss somebody off. And, you know, he's just, uh, he's curmudgeoning. And I'm just worried what that would do is this is I want to, is that if we're going to make a change, I want a distinct change. I don't want another guy that just does the same thing. We could have just kept Ron Rivera, you know, but I, I don't know. I don't know. It's because Norv has been so great for this offense, Cody. It's not been an offensive lacking thing. It's now about have we reached the max of what this stat of what Ron Rivera can be, and and I say the reason I say yes is I think it's not got to do with the performance. I keep coming back to the personnel problems we've had. I want Ron Rivera to be a stronger voice in that draft room, in that roster composition, and ready to say. It's time to move on from this guy. I just don't know if he's got, he's been a strength in that department. Yeah. And, you know, he mentioned Harbaugh. Um, one, from everything I've heard, Harbaugh loves Michigan and they love him there. Um, and now that really, Urban Meyer's gone, he's going to yeah, be a damn Urban guy. My, yeah. Urban Meyer's just hit the road. There is now, there is no reason for Michigan not to win the Big Ten every year. Um, so with that said, um, I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't mind Jim Harbaugh. I just, you know, I, I kind of feel that's a, a little bit of a lateral move instead of a vertical one. Although I do feel that Harbaugh is a better coach, um, than Rivera, if I'm being honest. Um, but I mean, I feel like I'm rehashing the same thing I said about McCarthy, but, um, I, yeah, Harbaugh went to the Super Bowl. Um, he had a very talented 49ers team that took us out of the playoffs. Um, and it's, it would be, um, I mean, I wouldn't be mad at the hire, but I just, I don't see him ever living there. And, um, for me, to be honest, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. For me, this has zero to do with the coach is this, is that if a change is going to be instituted, I think it all starts with bringing in a GM with vision. You talk about analyst, this and that, and all of that, whatever, is that then the GM tells us who the right coach is. That's where I think that I'm ready for, is that somebody that has the confidence to say, I got this, instead of us trying to, trying to piecemeal it. All right, last question of the night, and then we're going to do our ice up picks. Going on the road, after losing four uh, straight, dropping four straight, struggling on the road, now going against the Cleveland team, who two weeks ago, if they wouldn't have gotten blown out by Houston, you would say is surging right there. Some talent on that roster, Cody. We're one-and-a-half-point favorites, which I don't even know if is the right thing, is unless they that blowout by the Texans just created so much doubt, but the Panthers have not created much optimism. We're the Panthers. What do you want to see out of this game? I mean, we're not. We're rooting for a win, 
where the Panthers get back on track here. I want to see some turnovers, man. I want I want to see this Panthers defense take the ball away. It, it's a, you have a rookie quarterback in Baker Mayfield. I, I want to see Dante Jackson and James Bradbury have a day. I mean, I want I want to take the ball away and uh, let's rough them up a little bit, man. Um, and uh, on offense, I'm not too worried about Cam bouncing back. Um, I do think the one problem will be Miles Garrett on Chris Clark. Uh, oh, that, God. That get, that's a that, that, disaster. That, that, Nick that Chubb against that. this defense? Oh, dude. Uh, yeah, it's it's a, I, I, I'm more wanting our defense to show up in a big way than, uh, than even our offense, you know. Um, yeah, I think that needs to happen. I think there are only two more games on our schedule that – Honestly, probably should have us in a victory formation at the end, and that's the Browns and the Falcons. And if we don't do that, uh, I, I don't know, man. It's a, it's a dark timeline here in Carolina, that's for sure. I'm not looking beyond this game. I want to get a W. That's what I want, is I want to have a week where we are not losers. And I want to have a win, yep. and I don't care how it comes. I don't care if Graham Gano kicks a, a 12-yard field goal that barely goes in and bounces off the crossbar and in or whatever. I don't care how it happens. I want a W. I don't care if it's ugly. I don't care if it's beautiful. But I tell you this, if you don't – and I just said don't look beyond this week, is that – it's really sad to think that we're going to really in, in the most realistic and best light finish eight and eight. How do you start six and two and finish eight and eight? Jesus Christ. That's the sad thing is right now, eight and eight is yeah. a victory for this team. Eight and eight right now means beating the Cleveland Browns and the Falcons and getting swept by the saints or losing one to the Falcons and to the Browns and splitting with the saints, which sounds like insanity at this moment. The fact that the Carolina Panthers are going to finish eight and eight is depressing. And I want that depressing thought to be uh, off put by the fact that we just got to win circle wagons, guys, Ron Rivera, circle wagons, grow a backbone at this point, go back to the original OG Ron Rivera, who doesn't get shook win, win and win and just give temper something to think about and make this a harder decision. Don't fold right now, guys don't fold. And I don't want to see Cam Newton get hurt. So if Cam Newton, if you're truly seriously injured, uh, Ron Rivera, Marty Herniolis, protect Cam. Protect him from himself. Protect him for everything because you ain't doing anything if he's already hurt. You will not get – if you can't get a win with him on the field, you ain't getting no wins without him. Protect him. All right. The number is 252-228-5098. You can call in the C3 Panthers podcast. We'll be here after the Cleveland Browns game. We do a post-game show. We ask you to turn your phone to portrait mode. Smash that thumbs up button. Subscribe, like, share. Consider donating to the podcast. Thank you for your support. Call D in the chat room with the super chat. We appreciate that. And the new donors on Patreon, we support you. Uh, well, we support you. You support us. We thank you. Guys, uh, we you can continue to help us make this the most interactive podcast by doing what you're doing. Be involved in the chat room. That's it. Be a part of the show. Jump in the car. We're heading to the Panthers game. We're going to bitch and moan, but we're always going to keep pounding. We're going to celebrate together. We're going to cry together. 
Cody, right now it's time to drop some ice up picks on these mugs. And I need you to go first because I got to catch my wind. That's fine. Hey, man. In fact, uh, I'm throwing a curveball. I know I told you uh, my ice up pick before, but uh, I'm going to do something, uh, in my opinion, a little funnier, but equally as as dumb. So, uh, Peter, uh, listen, oh Peter is hilarious. Peter is hilarious, but Peter just put out this tweet today, and it's the funniest shit I've ever heard. They tweet out, words matter. And as our understanding of social justice evolves, our language evolves with it. Here's how to remove speciesism, speciesism, I'm not even trying that word, dude, from your daily conversations. All right, so follow with me. Instead of saying kill two birds with one stone, say feed two birds with one stone. Or <laughs> instead of instead of be the game pig, be the test tube. <laughs> Instead of beat a dead horse, feed a fed horse. Dude, it's the dumbest shit in the world. Instead of fed horse. Yeah, feed a fed horse. Uh, um, instead of bring home the bacon, say bring home the bagels. And instead of saying take the bull by the horns, take the flower by the thorns. That's stupid. Yeah. You never take the flower by the thorns, you dumbass. <laughs> That's how you know our society has turned into a bunch of pussies when you have to worry about speciesism. I'm sorry. I don't give a damn if a dead horse is offended by my words, all right? I love bacon, and I don't care who knows it. To PETA, ice up, son. Dude, PETA, I'll tell you this. is This is the moment I realized they're a bunch of whack jobs. Is that uh, in the yeah, 19, yeah. this was probably in 2001, the, some of the advocates from PETA, you know, making a stance to them, like trying to make a, a stance to the world in their will. One lady asked that she be barbecued after her death in protest to us that eat meat. Another example was this, is that she wanted there, another PETA member wanted to be, have their skin stretched into an umbrella like that that they do with elephant skin now i don't know what any of this is this first of all i'm from eastern north carolina brother barbecue is a noun right barbecue is the real deal here and at my wedding here's the deal and this is what i remember is this is that at my wedding we had a we always we had a pig picking on thursday night it was a thursday night for all the out-of-town guests right we had this nice big pig picking we hired somebody to cook a pig great Great thing. Whole pig, all this. My One of my groomsmen comes from Florida, and he's a ladies' man. And he brought a girl with him, which is a big step for him because usually my man rolls solo, and he don't run with a girlfriend for long. So if he brings a girl to a wedding, that says a lot. And she comes up to me, and she says, I've been so excited to come to an Eastern North Carolina pig picking. I've heard so much about this. And I said, man, I it's the best. You got to come with us. I said, come look at the pig. We opened the pig up. She saw that pig. She saw the full body and the be- and the head looking at her. And she she couldn't do it. Right? <laughs> and I, I, yeah. And that was too much for her. But I tell you this. is I'm going to look at that big. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat that pig. I'm going to look in his beady eyes. And I'm going to honor him by saying you're delicious. You're That's what I'm delicious. saying, man. You're honoring the life lived for the sustenance that he's given you in return, man. Yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, so whatever. Yeah, Peter, ice up. All right. Fire up my ice up pick, Cody. Let's do it. <laughs> Hold on to your horses, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, hold on to your you bagels. Come here, you apply. Yeah, yeah that's you right. Legally. You're not entitled to come here. You have no right to come here to assault our borders. And it's at our discretion that you do so. And then if we agree, you get to the back of the line like everyone else. And don't give me this racism nonsense. We fought a civil war to make sure that we put an end to the stain of racism and slavery in our nation. We're not racist. Truth be told, you're engaging in reverse racism. It seems you think that your skin color entitles you to be here ahead of everyone else in the world who may have a different skin color, but who's suffering the same injustice. You're not. Uh, first, Josh, when you Josh from Mass, when you come here, don't try the barbecue in Charlotte. That shit is whack. You got to come east of 95, bro, where they do barbecue right. Eastern North Carolina barbecue is where it's at. Right, and Westerners don't know nothing about that mess. Now, my ice up picks goes to this Janine Pirro, which all once again <clears throat> proves to us that in America you can be anything that you want to be, even if you suck. The fact that this person is a former judge and a prosecutor shows how irresponsible we are as a society in putting people in power who are freaking idiots. Now, I, I, the fact that you're a black woman saying this is just befuddling, A. But B, what I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. She's something. Well, maybe she's not. Then she's overly tan. It's, Whatever yeah, she is. Very tan. She is not. Well, I don't, she's not Scandinavian. That's for sure. Yeah. But my point that I'm trying to make here, guys, is this. Is the bullshit that you say we fought a civil war to end racism that is the most bullshit. That, that's it's so such a, a distortion of what reality was. We fought a civil war, a because the Confederacy seceded and tried to leave. Right. That's why we we fought a war to preserve the Union. As that war unfolded, we expediently shifted the conversation to slavery, which had been a growing and a very divisive topic in American society at this point, and it becomes a pivot point, a pivot point of the whole conflict. But you are absurd in saying that this was a war against racism. No, there were like 800 lynchings in Alabama between eight, between 1890 and 1920. We had legal segregation in this society you had people who literally were persecuted. There was a guy, a black man, was pro was killed after World War One, wearing his World War One uniform on a bus because he was a black man who basically was too uppity. I hate to tell you this: is stop being a fool. Look, do we have to chastise ourselves as awful people? I don't think that that's necessarily the route, but to to blind ourselves and to act like basically Janine Pirro just said on TV that, hey, I'm Scandinavian. That's what she told you. She said, yeah. I'm Scandinavian. And the, and the people that don't believe that, you're weird. 
And lady, you ain't Scandinavian. You ain't no judge. And if you are a judge, you're a judge in a damn what's the what's the stupid court? What's the what is that? There's a court. There's something court. There's a fake court. Uh, like whatever. Yeah, yeah. If you know what is you're the night court judge. You are the the judge (laughs) where from night court. Lady, you suck. To say this is like let's not. You don't have to try. I don't know what you're trying to do there, but that's just the stupidest damn thing I've ever heard. That is the stupidest thing I ever heard. And to you, I say ice up. And that comes from the professor who actually is a history teacher. And if you want to rap about these things, I'll be more than willing to rap about all the great things in America and all the things that we're always working to improve. But you, lady, suck. All right. Sorry. All right. My name's my name's Tony Dunn. It's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com. We go all night long, baby. That's what I'm talking about, Miss Piero. I go all night long. That's what I do. It's all night. <laughs> we went almost three hours here because the cat calls were fantastic. Panther Nation might be disheartened. They might be upset. But they are still family, and they showed it tonight with more, with a ton of calls, a ton of listeners, and a ton of interactivity. Cody Lashney, thank you so much for joining me. Tell me, tell them how they can find you on Twitter. At Cody Lack on Twitter, C O D Y L A C. Hit me up, man. Whatever you want to talk about, I'm good for it. Panthers, Clemson, your mama's dinger, whatever. I'm good for it. Let's do it. All right. We're going to check you out on Sunday after the game. We're going to hit you up. We're going to be celebrating. We're going to be we're going to be celebrating. We're going to get a win here. That's what we're going to do. If we don't get a win, we're going to learn something about what's going forward. We're going to get more evidence, more data. But you know what? We're going to be here. The C3 Panthers podcast is here because you guys are here calling in the cat calls line. We're going to see you next Tuesday night live at 9 p.m. And until then, you make sure you keep pounding. Subscribe to the C3 Carolina Panthers podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or anywhere you can catch an RSS feed. Check out carolinacatchronicles.com for the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. Great cash, homie.